This series deals with mature subject matter and contains offensive language and potentially triggering imagery. Any similarities between characters and real people is incidental and not intended. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to another episode in our tale of mystery, insanity, and terror. I am Adam, the Keeper of Arcane Secrets, and this second series will continue to use the Call of Cthulhu 7th Edition ruleset to explore the cults, monsters, and cosmic horror that are set in direct opposition to our intrepid investigators. These 11 episodes are presented as an anthology, where I sit down one-on-one -on -one with the players to see if they can begin to piece together clues about the forces of evil while burning through their luck wrestling with their sanity, and trying desperately to fight for their lives. The players are all struggling against extreme violence, encroaching madness, and sinister kidnappings, and if a character does not succeed, the player will not be invited back for the next series. While it is beneficial to listen to Series 1, titled The Deep Dark of Radiance, each of these 11 episodes are designed to stand alone, or as a piece of a greater puzzle. They all lead to the same place, though. Join me now as I take you on a journey down one of the many roads to Amelia. It is Sunday, October 13th, 1918, and the Great War is on the brink of ending in Europe. The world is deeply scarred, and families have been irreparably shattered. But for one young woman named Louise Knox, all of that seems very far away. For she is sitting in a horse-drawn buggy that is driving through a dying backwater town named Amelia, in the heart of the bayou in southern Louisiana. Her estranged Uncle Manford passed away five months ago, and the deed to his home is in question. The bank is looking to appraise and potentially repossess the property, depending on its value. Little is known about her late uncle, but rumor has it that he built a house on the land where he once survived a hurricane, and that his privacy was due to his fondness for young gentlemen callers. As a young woman without a husband or children, she has been tasked by her cousins to set aside her passion for photography and make the trek across the country in order to settle the estate. She has apprehensively agreed and is now out of her element. She has been traveling for days and is dog-tired, but she grows ever closer to the property in question. Having never met her uncle, she can only wonder what awaits her. She clutches her minimal luggage and the camera and handgun hidden within it as she leaves the pathetic waste of the near-abandoned town and watches the swamp begin to intrude upon the narrow logging road that leads to her destination. Nearly cut off from the world, the niceties and pleasantries of modern society are left as a distant rumor for a place so far removed from civilized life. There is no electricity out here to help her keep her fear of the dark at bay during the night, and there is certainly no telegraph or telephone 
The air is humid and thick, even in this time of year, and the swarms of insects and cacophony of animal noises seem to be everywhere. For the hundredth time, she checks her scribbled note to confirm that she is supposed to be meeting a lawyer named Mr. Speltzer, but her nervous energy is largely in part to her eagerness for answers and adventure. The buggy bounces and rocks as she comes now within the final mile of the curious estate of Manford Madison. It's been a long trek from the train station. The porter that you have managed to snag is an older gentleman who does not seem to have a friendly disposition about him. He's introduced himself as Ephraim Hollister, but he is not interested in talking at all. This is actually a horse-drawn buggy that he has brought you out in. There are cars out and around here, but for the most part, people here seem to be a little technophobic. There is a general store in town, and you did get a quick tour through the town itself before heading up Deadwood Road. That's uh, it's not ominous at all. No. <laughs> Uh, but it is named Deadwood because of all the logging that happens up here, of course. Makes and sense. there are some trucks that move up and down. There's also a small creek uh, that they've affectionately called Deadwood Creek. You know that you are easily 10 miles out. The most anybody can give you with any accuracy is 10 to 12 miles. And the ground everywhere is wet. There's thick foliage on both sides of the road that you are on. And the road itself is narrow. You would know that the wagon wheels would actually be in the mud, and the muck on the side of the road if you had to pass someone. Mm -hmm. It's not quite wide enough for two. As you continue on, the air is thick and muggy. And Ephraim is sitting up in the front. You can have uh, the choice. Do you want to sit in the front or the back? She would probably sit in the back and just kind of observe her surroundings while traveling down the road, looking at the trees, that kind of stuff. Probably regretting the shoes that she's wearing. Mm -hmm. What shoes are she wearing? Is she wearing? Oh, she's probably just wearing like tiny little lady shoes. Lady shoes <laughs> that make her feet look like hooves. Regretting these choices, probably didn't wear a rain jacket and regrets that too. Even though that probably won't help any of the moisture. No, not at all. But yeah, if if she if her first introduction to uh, the Mister Hollister was not a pleasant one, she would respect his space and just have a silent ride. She would not force a conversation if he did not want to have one. He seems to be standoffish, um, but not because he feels like he's better than, but more a, a sense of disinterest. A grizzled old man mm -hmm. who has been doing this for far too long in this sweltering heat. And it is warm for an October day. It is October 13th, 1918, and the sun is high in the sky. There is definitely some warmth coming off of, of the sun. When you're in direct sunlight, it is warm. But the air itself, while thick, it, it's very cool. Um, she would ask, though, have you ever been up this way to the house? Oh, uh, yeah. Have you ever met uh, Mr. Madison? Uh, no. No, I have not. I take the loggers back and forth. You continue to travel through. Um, are you doing anything while you travel? Or just staring at the window? Um, she'd probably take a few pictures if she sees any nice scenery. Or I could also imagine as soon as she starts seeing the estate over... The cusp of the trees that she might start taking like a photo or two of what the estate looks like from the outside like i'm sure she's just prepping for taking photos and that kind of stuff the swamp is thick there are large ferns and and huge gnarled trees you can see all sorts of standing water that doesn't seem to be flowing necessarily but every once in a while there's a splash and by the time that you look whatever made the splash is gone 
Those ripples seem larger than they should be sometimes. There are a number of birds in this area and you can hear a lot of squawking and hooting. And there's a lot of wildlife noises in this ride for you. But you can see up ahead that there is just the faintest sign of a structured rooftop hmm. through the trees. But the thing that you'll notice before anything else is a white picket fence that is along the road. And there seems to be a gate, and it looks like it has been relatively well taken care of as well. This fence gives you an idea that there's been some real care given to it out here in the middle of the wilderness. Mm. It is a basic white picket fence with a with a very clear gate. There is a mailbox beside it, and the mailbox is a very standard-looking mailbox on a, on a white post. The mailbox itself is red, and the little flag is down. It's down. So there's nothing in the mailbox. So there's nothing in the mailbox. Okay. I was like, I want to check what's in the mailbox. <laughs> all right. I'll just ask, like, are you going to take me all the way up to the front or are you dumping me here? <laughs> I ha I might as well take you. I've got the entire route I need to go. There's nowhere to turn around. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Another moment later, you guys get to the front of the gate. As Ephraim pulls up, the house becomes clear. There are a number of bushes all around the front yard. The lawn seems to be really well manicured. The bushes seem to be well trimmed. However, they looks like it's starting to get away from, from whoever it was that, was that was keeping it up. You know that your uncle died uh, about five months ago. Mm -hmm. And it looks like he took real pride in this area. The house itself has a dull grayish color and has a black tar roof with a number of different shingles on it, but a few of the shingles have gone missing with the storms that have blown through in the past few months, so no one to take care of it. Mm -hmm. There are a number of windows, including one gigantic stained glass window that's right there in the middle of the front door. The front door is huge, and it's actually double doors that opens up, and there's a, a huge stained glass mural in it of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Oh, good. Is it exceptionally the gory version of, or more of the clean-kept? The, the clean-kept. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> You know that this would be worth more than anything that you've ever owned in your life. This one window. Yeah. The house itself does not seem remarkably large, but it does give an air of care. And there was a certain amount of money that's definitely been spent upon it. Yeah. And it sticks out almost like it is something out of a dream. It sticks out from the swamp. Whereas the swamp itself is encroaching upon the land. And you can't even go down the road without needing to swerve out of some out of the way of some branches and some large leaves and whatnot. There are gigantic swarms of gnats that you've been riding through this hallway. However, this seems to have pushed back the the jungle and the swamp around. There are rays of sunlight that are hitting the area and it looks like a small little bastion of civilization in the middle of this crazy wilderness. Mm -hmm. You can see that there's a path that goes around to the right of the house. And there are a number of stairs that, that go up to the front door in this front porch area. And standing on that porch is a man in a suit with like a tweed jacket. He's got a, a briefcase that's resting against the house. And he is currently mopping his brow with a handkerchief. Hmm. I would assume that's probably just Mr. Spelter. Um, as I get off the, the cart, I'll probably turn around to Mr. Hollister and ask, So how often do you travel this route? Uh, as often as I'm hired to. Which, when do you want me to come back? I'm wondering if it would be too much trouble just to come back in the morning just to check. I'm not sure how long I'm going to need here. Yeah, that's fair. Same time same time today as tomorrow? Same you? prices too. I can do that, yeah. Just be aware. Steer clear of any water. You, all the water has eyes. Crocodiles? And snakes. 
Oh, oh dear. And watch out for the wolves. All right then. This seems like a better and better idea as this goes. You hear a yaw, and off he goes. Um, I'll probably just turn and start making my way up the path towards um, who I assume is Mr. Spelter that I'm supposed to meet here. Is it muddy and gross? The road itself is muddy and damp. However, it is white gravel that leads from the gate all the way up to the front of the house. And the path itself is is white gravel as well. So you can hear the crunch, crunch, crunch of your footsteps as you go. Um, as I got get up to the front door, is he's just standing on the porch, like, by the He door. is. He is in the shade. And he's watching you come as okay. well. All right. I'll just call him Mr. Spelter, I assume. Actually, no. I'm sorry. Come come forward. Come in. Come in. Out of this heat. I didn't want to enter without, without you being here, but come, come, come. Shuffle as fast as I can. <laughs> With the end of the war... And, and what not going on right now, uh, travel from New York City, as you know, is a little bit more difficult. So the firm Foster & Long has sent me on behalf of the bank. Uh, they've contacted me as an independent barrister to come and help. My name is Ruben. Ruben. Yes, you can call me Ruben. Uh, I only exist on an informal basis, but... Uh, but Oh, these are yours. And you hold out a keychain. It's got three different keys on it. Okay. I was like, I assume these are for the estate? Yes, uh, do you know what they go to? Uh, the large one, I believe, is for the uh, front door here. The silver one is for the greenhouse. And I believe that little one there is for the uh, root cellar. Root cellar? Do you know what he kept in the cellar? Uh, I haven't the foggiest. <laughs> so you're not... Are you from around here then, yourself? Absolutely not. I'm not even from this cursed state. Oh, where did you come from? Uh, Kansas, if you can believe it. But I am heading through. Uh, I was not able to join the war, unfortunately, because of... And he holds up his hand and he's missing two fingers. Oh. Um, so, as you can see, not fit for duty. However, uh, they've given me this entire section from canvas all the way down to the south as, as my purview, as my, my region to look after. Um, and it's been blessedly quiet until... Your uncle, um, Man Man Manford, Manford just decided one day to up and die, and now here we are, uh, taking care of this. Um, well, are you here to assist me in a potential tour of the home, or are you just here to? I've never been inside. If you want me to come with, I'd be happy to. I am I am a representative of the bank, so you should be aware that anything that I see, I will have to report back on. Okay. I legally have to tell you that and give you a, from a moral standpoint, I, I should be upfront with you and say that my interests are to catalog as much as I can and give the bank an idea of exactly what we're looking at, this unique and eclectic property here. Well, I am planning on taking some photos. Um, as you can see, I have all of my equipment with me here. Um, before we go inside, do you mind if I take some photos of the external for just a quick second? Oh, absolutely. Take your time. How, much, how long are you thinking and planning on spending here? Or were you planning on heading back out pretty soon? Uh, I have a uh, man with a car coming from the logging camp. He's coming back uh, at about dusk tonight. I'll be heading into town. I'll be staying in town. Uh, and he points actually at uh, his briefcase and he says, There are some basic provisions in here for you tonight. I'll be back in the morning with groceries and whatnot for what I assume is going to be a week-long stay at a minimum. Oof. I just really wasn't expecting there to be this much, but uh, I guess I'll get a better look once we go inside. But yes, I'm just going to quickly uh, put my stuff down, get myself sorted, and I'm just going to take a quick couple of shots of the front here. Um, 
do, do you mind scooting off to the side? I don't want you to have to be in them if you don't want oh, to. Oh, of, of course, of course. And he reaches down and he, and he grabs this like really wide brimmed hat that doesn't suit him at all. <laughs> and, and, and he puts it on and he kind of scurries. You get the impression that this is a man from a larger city who is out here in the middle of nowhere. He's not really thrilled about being here, but it is his job. Mm-hmm. All right, well, I'll just take some photos and then um, once I'm able to get inside and I feel a bit situated, you can probably take your time to do whatever you want. I, I, I don't mind reporting what's here. I don't even know what's here myself. So I have no quarrels with you seeing what's inside. Splendid. Excellent. Uh, I am just going to... She'll scoot around to the front, probably try and find a good position of lighting, uh, depending on where the sun is, all that nonsense. Mm-hmm. And then just take a couple photos, photos of just the front of the house. There are a handful of windows in the front. There are two, one on each side of the door that are kind of larger windows. Uh, and But the blinds have been closed. There are also windows up top. And you can see there are three windows that are all evenly spaced and all the same size on the second story that look out over this area. And of course, there's the giant stained glass window in the front. Mm-hmm. Does it look like all the windows are like all the shades are drawn closed? Or? All the curtains have been, have been pulled. So, um, which is unsurprising considering the heat and the sun yeah yeah oh, that makes sense well she'll just snap a quick couple of photos um and then she'll probably i don't think she'll want to necessarily go around the outside just yet i think she'll probably just want to bring her stuff indoors so she will just go up to the front door and she'll probably take honestly actually first she'll just take a photo of the stained glass and so she has a photo of that because she's probably very interested in this mm-hmm. um as it, that is probably worth a lot of money um and then she'll fiddle with the keys and try and get herself in di- inside. Yep, uh, it does unlock easily. Uh, Ruben is standing behind you, kind of like peering over your shoulder. <laughs> it's try- trying to see. So she'll open up the door and scoot herself in. And it is immediately noticeably cooler in here. Mm. It is easily 10 degrees colder and there is a musty smell to the area, almost like a, like a mildewy smell oh. to the house. It is just draped in shadow with all of the curtains drawn. It is nearly impossible to be able to see clearly what's going on, except for this long hallway that stretches out in front of you. Uh, there are a couple of doors on the right and an archway at the end, and there is a hallway, it looks like, off to the left. Mm-hmm. And then beyond that, another another doorway. And you can see stairs beside the archway that presumably lead upstairs. So walking in, does it look like there's like carpets and stuff that would take the mud and stuff off their feet? Or yeah, there's definitely yeah. A, a rug. The impression that you get in this in this area, while it is dark, is there's a coat rack mm-hmm. in the corner, uh, and there are a couple of coats that are already hanging on it. There's a mirror uh, with a small, shallow table underneath of it that you use for keys and and your basic your, foyer. your wallet and whatnot, right? Yeah. So there's also a large painting opposite this on the other wall and that is a painting of a ship at sea and the seas appear to be a little bit rougher um as you look on through the area you can't really see any details beside the impression of a banister uh and stairs and then beyond that through the archway you can see kind of some rays of light that are coming in and hitting what look like linoleum all right well um we'll just make sure you don't track too much mud inside if we can um I don't want to ruin any nice carpets, just in case. Uh, she'll probably put down most of her bags, except for her like whatever camera equipment she feels she'll need as she's mm-hmm. wandering around. And honestly, she'll probably just walk straight down the hallway and just kind of like look to her left and right, just to see what doors are open and what doors are closed. Not necessarily planning to explore any of them, just kind of 
taking in the layout of the land, I guess, mm -hmm. um, and just walk towards what looks like the banister or staircase near the end. If the doors are open, she'll peer in to see if she can see what's in the room, mm -hmm. like generally get a sense of what type of room that it is. Um, the first door on the right uh, is just open a crack, and you will get the impression that there is there are some books and there's a desk in there, and it seems to be a, a small library of sorts. Mm -hmm. uh, to the left, you see the hallway, and the hallway opens up into two different uh, archways, yeah, which do not have doors on them; they're just archways. So uh, the one on the left, that's close to the front of the house, from from where you're uh, positioned, is a small sitting room looks like a place where you would uh, entertain a single person it looks like it's a very large fireplace there with a couple of large comfortable chairs as well mm -hmm. but the other one is a kind of larger seating area that where you would entertain a number of guests and uh, you could have I think there are, there are about three couches that you get the impression of there's a small coffee table in the middle Again, another fireplace, but this one's a little bit smaller. Um, large painting on the wall and a, a very large globe, one of those standing globes that uh, takes up like three feet round. Yeah. Um, takes up a significant corner of the room. And then you pass by the door on the right. The last door on the right is closed, mm -hmm. but it's right up beside this archway. The archway leads into a kitchen area. As you're walking through, Reuben calls out to you and he says, So, as I'm sure you can imagine, there is no electricity here. Yeah. And there's also no, plum no plumbing either. I'm to understand that there is a, a privy of sorts that has been built onto the back porch, but it is it heads off to the swamp, the piping and whatnot, and uh, the water here is well water. All right. Um... So without electricity, I'm assuming there's no refrigerators. There's nothing like that. They might have like a no, just just the just the root cellar. What's in the suitcase of provisions that you brought? Is there anything that requires cooling? Uh, and he says, "Well, I, I I'm under the impression he pulls out uh, two bottles of beer." Oh. And <laughs> and he says, uh, "Very hard to come by." As a matter of fact, and he holds it up, uh, not actually beer. This is a local brew of some sort that I, I acquired in town. I figured we could toast to a new business uh, arrangement between the two of us. And they were cold when I got them, but they're warm now. And other than that, uh, he says apples are fine. The eggs uh, do not seem to have cracked. And there's a loaf of bread here. Uh, he's got a can of beans as well. He said, I did not know what you would, you would want overnight. <laughs> I just grabbed everything I could off of the shelf in the in the general store. So Well, I appreciate it. Um, maybe what we'll do is we'll see if we could find that root cellar and get these things cooled. And then maybe later tonight we can toast. How about that? Excellent. Um, so she'll probably walk towards the kitchen to see if there is a staircase or something that can take us down to where there would be a root cellar. Or she would think it would be. Yeah, uh, when you walk in, you see that there is a uh, a sink area. There's a lot of counter space, a lot of cupboards as well. Yeah. There are a couple of large basins that you would use for, for cleaning and whatnot that take up the majority of, of one side. But you can see these walls back here are all windows. Mm -hmm. And you can see into the back where there is a fountain that does appear to be running. There's no statue or anything in the middle of the fountain. It is just a, a circle with a single spout in the middle that is, is trickling down. You can see all sorts of birds and whatnot all across the backyard. And it seems like this area was not as well kept as the front area was, mm -hmm. except for the path that leads to the greenhouse. The greenhouse is very easy to see, 
but you can't really see into it because of the algae that's been growing on the on the windows on the glass mm -hmm. so it's difficult to see into but you can see that there's a greenhouse there um the only other thing of note is that there's a door to the left uh when you enter the kitchen which it looks like it would lead to a pantry or a root cellar or something like that okay i'll probably just scoot over there and have a look open the door and see if there's there are stairs that are heading down yeah perfect all right um chill grab whatever briefcase it is and I'll, from him, with mm -hmm. the provisions. And I'll be like, all right, I'll be right back. And then I'll scoot down on my own. All right. Um, what are you using for a light source? I do have a flashlight on me. So I will probably use that to scoot down. With the door open, there's not enough light pouring down to be... Oh, no, not no? even close, no. All right. So what she'll do, she'll probably put her camera bag down um, and then take the flashlight out of it. And then she'll just scoot down with the, the flashlight and the briefcase of provisions just to drop it down it's wooden stairs that creak all the way down and as you get down uh into this root cellar you see that sure enough the floor is just earthen and so are the walls the walls seem to be uh clay not not necessarily soil or dirt but uh, a thick clay it seems almost moist but it is cooler down here than anywhere else mm -hmm. this room reeks oh it just smells of dank, dirty rot down here. Yeah. And that is when you see that there are a number of shelves all the way around with um, vegetables and meat and fruit and whatnot that has long since rotted months yeah. ago and left down here uh, in the dark by themselves. There are all sorts of uh, bugs and flies flitting around in the air. And you even see in the meat that there are maggots that are that are running through some of it. There is a clear shelf where there's nothing that's on it except some tools, but there's no organic material on it. So what she'll do is she'll probably just leave everything in the suitcase. She won't take anything out and just put the case up there. Just as one, the flies to be able to get into whatever is in the into it. Mm -hmm. and she'll just leave it there. How large is this cellar? Is it like I can see from wall to wall or is it? It is about half of the uh, length of the house and the entire width. So it's quite large down here to the point where there are some wooden um, support posts that are holding the, the rest of the house up. You can see that there's probably a, a solid foundation of bricks in a couple of corners as well to prop the house up. Yeah. But it does seem to be built onto this clay foundation. Oh. Um, well, so give it a quick scan and uh, I'll actually call up to Mr. Reuben. Uh, just Reuben. Okay, Reuben. Yes. Um, you wouldn't have happened to have brought some garbage bags with you. Nope. Mm, all right. Well, that might be something that we might have to, or I will, I guess. I'll, I'll put it on the list. Well, thank you. And she'll actually probably just do like a quick like perimeter mm -hmm. just to see if there's anything stored down here other than food items. There's some furniture that's off in the, uh, to the side. There's a lot of gardening equipment that's kept down here. Mm -hmm. And uh, the ground is relatively uneven as well walking around. So uh, you would have to watch your step. Yeah. Um, but for the most part... This area is largely empty. Huh? So there are a number of different shelves that are there, but they're all kind of huddled over by where the stairs are. And in the far area, it just seems to be uh, a big open blank space. All right, well, she'll start making her way back up the stairs, kind of dusting herself off a little bit and say, all right, well, I'm sure they'll be nicely cooled in there by the evening. However, there's definitely some leftovers that we'll have to deal with at some point or I'll have to deal with at some point, but 
just basically speaking out loud. Um, all right, I think I'm going to uh, probably just take a couple of photos of some of the rooms um, and we'll just probably start here. Do you mind helping me just carry my my some of my equipment with me while I wander around? Absolutely, yes, sure. Well, thank you. Um, so she'll start with the kitchen and she'll just take a couple of photos of the kitchen itself. Mm. So you'll find that while the kitchen itself seems very simple and straightforward and there's a lot of utility to it, all of the dishes themselves are actual fine china. Oh. And the silverware does appear to be silver. Oh, wow. Um, so she'll make sure that she snaps photos of like any of the items that she feels are worth anything, essentially. Mm -hmm. So like probably take a good photo of the cupboard of... Um, the silverware or the drawer or whatever, anything that's in it. Um, are there any paintings or anything in this room that... No, it's mostly windows. Windows all yeah. along the wall, yeah. Um, she'll scoot back down and probably pop into the room right at the bottom of the staircase that's outside the kitchen. The, this leads to a dining room. Yeah. And there's a huge, long table. Looks like you can seat 12 people here. Uh, there is a small fireplace against the far wall. And the area itself it seems to be relatively empty there's a massive chandelier that's hanging down which is far too large for this room mm -hmm. uh, and there's all sorts of cobwebs and and spider webs all through this area it looks like this has been a this room has been abandoned far longer than the rest of the house has yeah and you can imagine that a single man by himself was probably not in here very often there are no places set but there is a small uh, liquor cabinet off to the side that's been tucked away. Uh, you can see bottles of liquor that are um, lined up inside the cabinet, but it also has a key in a little keyhole there as well. So it looks like the cabinet locks. Oh, all right. Um, are there any other like paintings or anything on the walls that are of note? There's a large painting of uh, Manford Madison, your uncle himself. Yeah. Uh, there looks like a large portrait of him there. Um, and there are two huge windows with curtains drawn as well. Mm -hmm. That would uh, point to the side of the house where there was that path that was going around. Um, the table itself, does it look like handmade? Like, like Yeah, this looks like artisan. Art. Yeah. Beautifulness. Yes. Nice. I'll, I'll make the joke. That table must weigh... More than this house. <laughs> She'll probably scoot. Um, there's an, is there any other doorway other than the one that was... Yes, there's another doorway back to kind of the center of the hallway area. Okay. So across from the from that little hallway that, that jaunted off to the sitting rooms. All right. She'll say, all right, well, how about we um, scoot over and check out the sitting rooms? I'm sure there's probably some nice furniture in there. Always take snap photos of those. So she'll scoot over across the hallway into the sitting room, like the what looks like the larger one first. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and when you head in there, you see that there is a large table with a, a huge marble chess set on top of it. Mm. Looks like it's in the middle of a game that's being played. Oh. Um, there are, uh, and there's a pile of uh, what looks like letters and correspondence and mail beside a chair at this table. Oh, okay. Beside the fireplace. There is a um, set of like pokers and and tongs and whatnot to be able to move logs. And there's a fairly large stack of firewood that's sitting there as well. It looks very um, old and dry and, and would go up very quickly and very easily. Mm -hmm. The furniture itself looks to be relatively ornate at first glance. But as you get closer, you see that most of it is not quite as nice as it seems. Uh, it looks like it's been fairly well worn and has probably 
been the original furniture in this house since since it was built. Yeah. The fireplace itself has a giant mirror over the mantel. And there are a number of little knickknacks and whatnot. There's a grandfather clock in one corner, which has stopped ticking. Oh. Uh, and the large globe in the other. She'll actually take a lot of interest in this, just because she likes the old-looking furniture. Yeah. Um, and she'll actually start taking like her bag, like her bag off and her camera off, and she'll be like, "I'm gonna see if I can get this to work." And she's actually gonna try and see if it works. So she'll probably physically try and crank it, shall we say? And sure enough, <laughs> as she cranks it, you see that it does start to tick and move. It had stopped at 2.30 exactly, yeah. and it just picks up where it left off. Oh, well, good to see that it still works. Ruben is looking around, he's, at, he's looking at the globe and he's spinning it. You can hear a creak, 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 as he spins the globe looking at it. Mm. He pipes up and says, what do you want to say that all of these borders have shifted over in Europe? <laughs> I'm sure this globe is worth nothing now. Or one day it could be worth a lot. You never know. Um, she'll probably, since she's already got all her heavy equipment off, she'll probably scoot over to the desk that you were saying has like papers and stuff on it. Uh, yeah, it's a, this table, it's a chess table. table. The table itself has a chess set that's made of marble built right into the top of it. And there are two chairs that match um, the, the wooden structure of the table. Uh, one on either side. And there's... These fairly large, they're like almost six inches tall, each one of these chess pieces. Yeah. Made of marble. Um, they look like they would weigh a lot. Yeah. And there's just a pile of papers, and you can see envelopes, which is why you would think that it's mail. Yeah. Sitting beside one of these chairs on the floor. Okay. Um, so they'll probably sit down in one of the chairs, like in front of the chess set, um, and then just do a quick sift through whatever papers are there to see if there's anything of interest, something recent, maybe mail that was new to the house. Um, just see, yeah, anything legality purposes, shall we say? If there's mm -hmm. any, she's looking for a deed, so not that I'd be lying here, but I'd probably look at the addresses. If there's sure. mail, I'll probably look at the letterhead to see if there's anything of interesting. So I'll be attempting to read some of the stuff that's there. Okay. Yeah. So... All right. What's your library use score? My library is 40. I rolled a 63. So as you are going through it, here's what you do notice right off the bat. You see that there are um, some return addresses there. It's difficult to make out. You'd have to sit down and spend some real time. Yeah. Because uh, the mugginess has made the ink run on this. It's, it's uh, difficult. But you get to the... First three or four pages before you've just given up because it's just it seems to be uh, M, Knight's Rook to I three. Oh, and then hyphen G. Oh, so it's like he's writing down his chess moves almost. Uh, this you would know is is common practice at the time for correspondence. There there would be a person on each end of this this uh, letter that goes back and forth. Oh. And they each have a chess set and they're playing the chess a game. A long distance game yeah. of chess. Oh, that's cute. I like that a lot. Oh. She'll probably just take whatever stack of papers there are, stack them neatly as she can, and just like leave them where they were. Uh, and then she'll scoot into uh, what looks like the next, across the hall, into the next sitting, smaller sitting room. This room has a bookshelf that is up against the wall. Um, there is a single window that faces the front. This is one of the windows that you could see as you walked in through the gate. Um, and, uh, and there's a larger fireplace in here with a larger stack of wood. Mm. 
There are all sorts of books and papers littered around the area here to the point where you would say that this is this room is messy. It, there's just a lot going on in this room as far as uh, books and what looks like handwritten notes and diaries, uh, letters, magazines, uh, a lot of newspaper articles and whatnot. And it seems to be collected from all over the world at first glance. You see things in languages that you've never seen before. Mm -hmm. There are two large chairs with a small table between them that are both facing the fireplace. What looks like one of them has been turned slightly. And Reuben walks up and he points to the one that's been turned. He says, uh, reports are that he went quite mad in his later days with a fever. Oh. And they found him slumped in one of his chairs. And I, I assume that, that this is the one. Oh, so this is this would have been the room that they found him? I would, I, I would assume so, yes. Hmm. Interesting. Does it look like there's any papers and stuff like that on the... the table that he the chair is beside or anything around the chair there is a uh, small oil lantern okay and it's sitting there by itself there's also a small candle with a little snuffer beside it mm -hmm. and uh and a pen with an inkwell okay and that's all that's on the table did you hear anything else about him in this house and uh just that he was liable to feed the wild dogs and they do come by sometimes the locals call them wolves, but as you can imagine, wolves and gators do not share the same geography. Yeah. So, uh, these are dogs that were originally brought up to guard the logging camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the office that is up there that have since escaped into the wild, and there's now just a roaming pack of them. And he would feed them all the time. There was a major concern that, uh, that the rumor has it, he had been chewed upon by the dogs that had gotten into the house. But I'm looking around and I don't see any stains or, or fur. Or I, it, it doesn't seem to be, to be accurate. It's one of the things that I was supposed to keep my eye out for. So did they not do a full investigation of any kind when they first found his body? He looks like he had a fever. And then just passed away here, quietly, hopefully. Uh, he was known to be ranting and raving at the drivers that would pass by over the last few days. Uh, and so uh, you know how it is when you... When you get caught up in the heat. Mm -hmm. uh, and he was by himself for a very long time, except for his callers. So. All right. Well, she'll snap a couple of photos of the chair specifically. Mm -hmm. She now has a very large interest in mm -hmm. um, the fireplace. Anything that might be on the mantle, like probably just take a broad photo of all that kind of stuff. Is there a certain theme to the like, books that are on the wall? It looks like the top and bottom shelves um, seem to be religious texts. Okay. But everything else in between, so the middle three shelves, are just full of random papers that have been smashed in there. Um, if there is a method to this, you can't see what it is. Okay. But probably mentally docked, that I'll probably have to sift through those papers later. All right, so after snapping a couple photos, she'll probably just scoot over across the hallway into the other room. The last room that's in this hallway. In this room, uh, you get the impression that it, this is a trophy room. There is the taxidermied head of a buck above the fireplace, but there are also a number of ornaments that are underneath these uh, glass domes that are on little display tables. Mm -hmm. There also seems to be a number of larger leather-bound, very expensive-looking books that have been very neatly placed on shelves. This is not the chaos from the other room or even from the letters that were piled up beside the chess set. This is very methodical and very easy to understand exactly what you're looking at. There's a full encyclopedia set in here. There are uh, numbers of uh, number of different journals and ledgers from what looks like explorers that have gone to the dark continent. Mm 
So there are quite a bit of expensive items in here. Uh, there's a very large desk in one corner and again a small uh, sitting area kind of tucked up against the wall in a corner. It's a, another large chair but there seems to be um, a large wall sconce beside the chair where you'd be able to put uh, a number of candles in it to okay. be able to read easily. And I'll actually say like as she's wandering around this house you will probably note where any object she could light to form light would be. Mm -hmm. um, just because she's thinking oh crap when it gets dark how am I going to survive in the darkness yeah um and so i know that she saw the one oil lamp in one room there's a sconce here there's a candle in a couple of other rooms well did she notice anything like a flint or anything that would be able to light any of this kind of stuff no um she'll probably actually turn around to reuben at this point and be like do you by any chance have a lighter of some kind he says no but i assume that there are matches over by the stove in the in the kitchen uh, one minute, I'll be right back. Okay. And, and he wanders away. You have a moment of privacy in this room. Um, that's when she'll take a moment to scour through the desk that has some of the papers in it, just to see if she can spot anything of interest. Yes, give me a spot hidden. Okay. Uh, my spot hidden is 65. I rolled a 34. So it's a success. With the success, you do find, as you're rifling through there, that uh, he has a number of legal documents in here. Mm-hmm. And this would be a really good place to start uh, this desk in this room to find anything like a deed or a will or anything else that might be very useful. Yeah. However, you can hear Ruben's footsteps that are coming back down the hallway. Okay. Um, she'll probably avert her attention as if she's taking a photo of a different area, like, like she's been ignoring the papers. Sure. Did you happen to find matches? And he holds up a large cardboard box uh, he says, absolutely, and he shakes it, and you can hear there's a number of long-handled uh, uh, wooden matches inside of it. Probably for, like, the fireplace and yeah. stuff. All right, um, I'll actually ask him, can you just quickly go put these by the fireplace, just so I know where they are for later tonight? Uh, which one? Um, do the one in the the larger, the larger, the largest fireplace, the one that's in the small sitting room? Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So just across the hall would be great, thank you. Okay. Um... So do another quick like glance of anything else that might be of interest in this room. Because mm -hmm. being in the swamp, hunting is probably not happening here. Like No. That, uh, yeah. there, there would definitely be hunters here, but you're not going to get bucks yeah. like this. This is obviously shipped in from More somewhere decorative, else. More decorative. Like yeah. he was not a hunter of any kind. Oh, almost certainly not. No, yeah. he was he was a businessman. Not a That a became a bit guy. of a recluse. Um, do I get a sense of what he is trying to like almost display in this room? Because if he's not a hunter and that's not what he's trying to be trophy-wise about, is there anything more collectible in this room? Everything in here has a, a personal significance to him. There's a pocket watch that's on display under one of these little glass domes. Mm -hmm. There is a large chunk of quartz. And there doesn't seem to be anything particularly unique about it, but that is also sitting underneath one of these pieces of glass. There is a large uh, tooth that looks like it's from some sort of massive animal. You think maybe a crocodile, but you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between a crocodile or or a lion or a shark tooth even. Yeah. Right. So it's it's all sitting there um, on display. There's a portrait of a woman that you don't recognize. Yeah. She does not look particularly young or beautiful. She looked kind of older and and homely looking it's almost impossible to tell who this woman is there's no inscription upon it uh and there are 
a lot of personal items all through here. There is a jacket that is on display, very clearly on display, and it looks like it was uh, some sort of military jacket from the Civil War. Mm. Would you know anything about the the ranks, or you could just recognize it's a gray jacket, so it's from the Confederate side. Yeah. That, that's, <laughs> that's it. it. Yeah. That's all she would know, really. <laughs> Does she know kind of what time it is right now? Because I know that he said he was going to be leaving around dusk. Does she know what time it is? Uh, yeah, the, the sun was high in the sky when you showed up. The, yeah. th this is early, early, early afternoon. Afternoon. Lots more daylight. Um, so she'll probably walk out into the hallway. She'll actually close this door behind her mm -hmm. um, as she's walking back into the hallway. She'll be like, actually, would you like, do you mind helping? I'm just going to try and go out to the garden and see the greenhouse. Hmm. But you're all telling me that there's wolves and stuff, so I don't really want to go out there by myself. So did you want to... <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, uh, yes. Uh, and he starts, he, he like peeks his head around the corner and is nervous. Yes, I will protect you. <laughs> uh, Just make noise. <clears throat> you see them, I guess? I don't know. <laughs> uh, yes, hold on one moment. And he ducks back into the room and then comes back with a, with a fire poker. Oh. <laughs> and he says... Uh, I will lead the way. Yes, let's go. Let's go investigate this. Okay. So yeah, they'll probably scoot through the kitchen and then outside while there's daylight, I think is her theory, is to check out what it looks like outside. She'll actually walk over to the, you said there's a fountain, yeah? That's right. Yeah. So it's down about six steps. Uh, and again, it's this crushed white gravel for this path. Um, but it's less finely trimmed lawn here and more swampland. Mm -hmm. uh, with the exception of this fountain and greenhouse that are against this backdrop of swampy jungle like thick foliage yeah uh you can hear running water from the fountain but also the entire area just seems wet yeah. the moment you open that door that wall of heat hits you again all right well she'll walk probably over to the fountain first she'll probably make a joke be like do you have a coin do you want to make a wish <laughs> and he's and he says uh yes absolutely i wish we don't see wolves <laughs> <laughs> Good thing to wish for, I guess. And uh, again, they are dogs that used to be domesticated. So uh, I don't really believe there's any danger of this, but they're also a wild pack. Mm. So best not to go out and about when they're active, which seems to be dusk and dawn. All right. So maybe we'll try and get as many photos and documentation of the outside while the light's still up. So what she'll do is she'll probably start setting up around the fountain. She'll probably want to take photos of the house from the backyard, mm -hmm. looking at the back. Um, does she notice anything up at the top of the house from the backyard at all? Um, just that the there's the large windows um, around where the kitchen is, which is the back portion of the house, is all kitchen, right? Yeah. So she can see these, these uh, large windows, but the second story doesn't even seem to have a window. That seems strange. Wouldn't there usually be like windows on all sides? Well, she'll take a couple photos of that. Probably of the fountain itself. Does the water look like it's running clean? That's yes, it? surprisingly clean. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she'll probably make mental note of that seems weird as well. You would expect maybe there would be some algae buildup or anything around it or? Uh, around the stonework, yeah. there is. Yeah. And there are definitely pieces of debris and whatnot that are in the water, in the standing pool of water that the fountain, you know, spreads into. However, the the water itself is not brown water or gray water. Yeah. It's crystal clear, pristine. Well, it's moving. Yeah. She'll look towards the greenhouse, probably take a photo of what it looks like on the outside. The first thing that you notice is when you see the door itself, uh, the door is closed and directly beside the door is a very large well. Okay. 
So that would be where we would get our water from. <laughs> it's about 30 yards or so from the back of the house. So She'll walk up to the door. Is it locked or is it open? It is. Okay. It's locked. Uh, she'll take out the little key ring and try what looks like what key would work. Uh, he, he said it was the uh, the silver key. The silver key. Yeah. Okay. And sure enough, it's a little sticky. It grinds a little bit, but it does open up. And inside smells earthy and like fertilizer in here. It, this does smell like the most rich and vibrant garden that mm. you've ever smelled before. But as you open it up, you see it's just plots of barren soil. Oh, so it's nothing growing. There's nothing growing back here. The only thing that you can see that even remotely resembles plant life is the algae that is growing up the outside of the greenhouse. I feel like there should be at least something growing within the soil. Uh, Reuben kind of peeks his head over and says, I guess he spent all of his time on the front yard. Maybe. I wonder what he was planning on growing in here. All right, well, she'll take a couple of photos uh, from a couple different angles of just the empty beds, even though they're probably not worth anything in her mind at this point. Um, if anything, the building might be worth something, but that's about it. And she'll say, all right, why don't we just do a quick perimeter walk just to see if there's anything in the yard or in the front that might be worth taking note of. And then um, we'll just take advantage of the light while we have it. So she'll probably scoot around to the side of the house, like she'll walk that path that went right yeah. around the house. Yeah, and and as you go, you see that the ground is becoming more and more solid as, as you go. Yeah. And about halfway along the side of the house, uh, you see that it has become this nicely taken care of lawn again. Mm -hmm. So you are walking around the left side of the house. The other side of the house has large ferns and and um, swampy ground and whatnot. And you don't think you'd be able to get through with any amount of ease. Not really walkable. Um, so you, you can almost feel like a very large difference between how the backyard is kept versus the front yard. Is that kind of the, That's the right. sense that I'm feeling? Yeah. You're right. Maybe he does care more about the appearances that people are going to see and not necessarily what's in the back. Um, is there anything within the front yard or on the side of the house, like statues or... No, there doesn't seem to be anything like that. There's this white picket fence that uh, runs across the uh, road, along the road rather, um, mm -hmm. and it attaches to the right side of the house and then around the left side that, where you've gone. Is, uh, it continues along, kind of holding the swamp back until it gets near the greenhouse. It looks like it goes right into the wilderness and disappears. Well, why don't we just explore the upstairs and then by the time that's done, maybe our toast to this project will be nice and cooled. That sounds excellent. You can see that he is sweating. He <laughs> is... He's a middle-aged man and he's hes not light. He's not a skinny man. I wouldn't say that he's fat, but he's definitely a little bit thicker. He's balding on top and he's got a red face of just sweat and, and exertion from being outside. Yeah. This is not what he wants to do. <laughs> so when you say to go back indoors where it's cooler, he's very, very thrilled about it. Very excited about it. About yeah. it. <laughs> um, I laughed to myself a little bit as I walk to the front of the door and I'll turn to him as we're walking back inside. I do appreciate your assistance. I, I was nervous about having to do this by myself. And he says, well, uh, unfortunately, you'll be doing it by yourself until tomorrow morning once I leave. So, And I do have business that I have to be near a telegraph. Okay. So I will be popping in in the morning, but not staying. Okay. And from there, it shall be every two or three days, depending on what your need is. All right. But there will be no way to contact town Unless you flag down one of the drivers going by. Well, hopefully that's not needed. All right. Well, let's head on upstairs then. So she'll, well, walk through the front door and go, of course, down the, the long hallway and then head up the stairs to see what, what is up there. 
so the stairs go up and up and up. They seem to go a lot higher than you would expect. Yeah. Almost as if the there's two or three feet between the ceiling of the first floor and the floor of the second floor. Yeah. There's this huge gap between floors um, that just seems to be sealed like dead space. And uh, Ruben actually points this out. And he says, it's odd how much space there is between the floors. Huh. Have you ever been given blueprints of what the house was when it was built? Uh, no, that's one of my jobs is to head down to City Hall to get the blueprints. Okay. Uh, honestly, we may have a surveyor come out here and redraw the blueprints. Well, we'll see if we can find anything within the house then. But if you do find something at City Hall, if you could bring it back with you tomorrow, I'd be interested in seeing. So up the stairs, um, is it just a bunch of bedrooms? Is it? Uh, so at the top of the stairs, you see that there is a door uh, immediately to your right and a door immediately to your left. Yep. And the hallway kind of curls around and runs parallel to the stairwell um, to two more doorways um, mm-hmm. further down the hallway. Uh, all of the doors up here are closed. Leaning up against the door jam to the door on the right is a shotgun. Oh. Oh, I wonder if that's how we kept the dogs away sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you probably wouldn't touch it. I think I'll just leave it there. Um, have you ever used a shotgun yourself, Ruben? Uh, no, I have not. No? It's difficult for me to hold, and he holds up his hand with three fingers. Oh, my apologies. <laughs> it's all right. I don't think I'm much of a good shot myself either, so... Um, she'll probably just creak the door open to her right, the, the one that's directly there. Uh, it swings open, it reveals a large room. And in this room, there are a number of huge crates. Okay. They're all wooden, and they're all sealed, and every single one of them has uh, the address to the post office in Amelia. Um, the only other thing of note up here is the fact that there is the walls in this huge room. It looks like it would have been a master bedroom one point you can see that there was a closet but the closet doors were never installed or at least to, there's no sign of them now and there are a couple of large crates in where there's this large closet um the only other thing of note is that the wallpaper is horribly stained on one side oh. of the room and there is a small stool sitting directly in front of this stain and the stain looks like it's a it's just a brown water stain on this white floral uh wallpaper that's here does it kind of look like it was seeping through behind it or like it was splattered on it? It looks like it was seeping through from behind it. I wonder if there's something, something might have happened in the other room. Ruben is going to look at the crates and he's going to kind of like try to pry at the lid and says, I don't think he ever opened these. It doesn't look like it. Shall we have a look inside one? Uh, unless you have a pry bar. I don't know how we will. I'll actually say, oh, did you want to go grab the fire poker? Maybe that'll oh, yes. be good enough. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, while he's gone, she'll probably take a picture of the stain that's here. Mm-hmm. And then maybe go over to one of the crates and investigate a little bit further to see if there's a, an address of where it may have come from other than just the post office. Sure, give me a spot hidden. Yeah. Oh, well. It's a crate. Um, I rolled a 92. <laughs> if there is an address, it must be on one of the sides of the crate that's pushed up against a wall or another side of the crate. You're not able to move them. Okay. Um, I try to move one and it just, too, they're too heavy. If you if you like to roll a strength to see if yeah. you can move one. Let's try and scooch one. Is it just straight strength? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I rolled. Is that? That's a 100. Yeah. 
So, um, so as you sit there and, and grab the crate and try to pull on it, uh, you end up getting a nasty little sliver Ugh. in your hand. Uh, this will not be enough to do hit point damage. Yeah. Okay, but it is enough that it will feel really tender yeah. uh, for the next little bit and will discourage you from trying to move one of these crates by yourself again. Damn it. All right, I'll, she'll just do a quick uh, scan of the room, see if there's anything else uh, of note. Sorry, this, you said there was a stool that was... That's right. Um, is it just like a regular bar stool? Is it like a short stool? It's a, it's a short stool. It's only about uh, 15 inches tall. Uh, is there anything underneath it or... No, there doesn't seem to be anything else in here. And is there any windows? No. This room is at the back of the house. Yeah, so I noticed there's no windows That's on the right. side. Yeah. That's true. Is there any way to have a light source in this room on the walls or... No. No. And it would occur to you that this might not even be a bedroom so much as a, a storage area. Like an area. attic storage type thing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just start, I'll start thinking to myself, I wonder how he got all these crates up here, right? Like, mm -hmm. Yeah, he was not a young man. I, my young spry self, can't even just shuffle one. Um, she'll probably just wait for Ruben to come back with the... Yeah, he's going to walk in, and he's immediately going to see that your hand is bleeding. He's going to rush over. Yeah. Look, what happened? I just tried to move one of the crates, and I oh, rolled like shit. And... Silly girl. <laughs> and, he, and he's going to pull out uh, his handkerchief, and he's going to give it a second thought and tuck it back. He's the one he's been wiping his face with. Yeah. He's got smudges on it. He's like, and he reaches into his pocket, he pulls out another one, and he hands you a clean one. Oh, well, thank you. You wouldn't happen to have any tweezers or anything on you? No, but I'll add them to the list. Okay. So she'll fix what she can. Like, I'm mm. sure she can't get all the sliver out, but then, and then wrap her hand with it yeah, for, for now. He comes in with the poker and he says, okay, which one would you like to, to try to open? Well, let's open the one that hurt me. And she'll point to the one that she tried to move. Okay. Um, shall I just give it a go then? Yeah. See what you can do. He's rolling a strength. <laughs> I rolled an 85. So he sits there and... and he is not able to get the the dull end of it to really grab purchase. He's just kind of essentially denting the side of the crate, trying to find a crease in it um, to, to pull it open. And he stops after a minute and says, I am not a physical man. I pride myself in my mental acuities, and uh, perhaps we would have a better opportunity to do this together or I should bring someone to help well let's try it together and then if we can't get one of these open then maybe tomorrow when you come back well you can bring someone with you if you've got someone okay um why don't you roll a strength check but you'll get a bonus die okay Ooh, that's better 13 Ooh, what's so your that is a that's a hard success hard success so yeah you are able to crack and splinter that open because of where you got the splinter in your hand you know exactly where to put this poker and the two of you together are able to jam the end of it in and crack it wide open and there's a loud splintering noise as a bunch of nails pull back and the crate opens and it's absolutely full of hay oh well i'm, I'm assuming this is the packing so she'll start sifting through the hay to see if there's anything within it give me a spot hidden okay uh so spot hidden 65, I rolled a 56, so that's at least a success. As you uh, start kind of swimming your hand around in this hay, you find that there is what feels like a very large rock in the middle of it. Oh, does it feel like it, I can lift it up with one hand, or is it like a giant stone? Uh, th this, is a, this is a large stone. This would take two hands, definitely. You'll have to make a strength check to even lift it. All right. Um, Joel... If she'll, like, go to do it with two hands and then remember that she's injured her mm -hmm. hand and be like, 
Do you want to give me a hand and we'll lift this out? Sure, absolutely. Okay. So let's roll it again with uh, with a bonus die. Okay. Uh, still failed. Uh, my strength is 50 and the lowest I got was a 56. Okay, so you guys are able to shift it and move it a little bit. And while you aren't able to lift it right out because you're leaning down over the side of the crate. this large crate and, and you're uh, not able to get a real solid purchase, you are able to see what it is mm -hmm. and this is not just a, a standard rock this is another massive piece of quartz identical to the one that was downstairs i wonder if all of these have just this type of stuff in there i don't even know what this is for I, i'm no geologist by any means but this is quartz unless he was making watches i can't think what you would use this for maybe it was just Decorative, perhaps? Maybe he was building something for the garden? I'm not sure. Do we want to try open another one? He, he pulls out his, his little um, pocketbook and starts writing down. And he says, I have to look up how much quartz is even worth. And he tucks away and says, sure, uh, choose another one. There are another seven in here and two in the closet. We'll just do the one that's right beside it. Sure. Yeah. T together then. Together. 47, so at least a success. Yeah, and you are able to crack it open and with a little bit of effort you are able to pop those nails and it creaks open and you see more straw inside all right start fishing through the straw see what we can find okay can i get a sleight of hand okay oh good uh that is a fail as you're sitting there swimming your hand looking for a rock you end up actually slicing your hand open on something very sharp okay oh, and you're going to uh take one point of damage I will shriek out loud. Oh. How, how many hit points did you start with? 13. So I will give out a little shriek and is it and pull my hand out and I'll <laughs> do damage dance. Yeah, you're you're now bleeding from both hands. Yeah. And he is immediately going to Oh my goodness. Okay, come on, come on downstairs. And he is going to lead you out of the room and downstairs towards the kitchen. Yeah. Where he's going to start rummaging around through the cupboards. We haven't come across a bathroom of any kind. I would assume there might be some supplies. And he, and he said, no, there was supposed to be one on a back porch, according to my notes. But I did not even see a back porch. Oh, true enough. Um, well, if anything, I need to clean this wound out as much as I can. I don't even know what, what got me, so... Well, why don't you go wash it in the in the fountain, and I will grab... And he goes, aha! And he, he pulls out a little first aid kit Excellent. from underneath one of the uh, cupboards. All right. I'll run outside to the fountain and just, like, put it under the running water. Can I see how badly I've been cut? Or is this a scrape, or...? It does look deep. It probably could use a couple of stitches. Goodness gracious. All right, what do we have in this first aid kit that we can use here? Uh, he's got some bandages and what looks like rubbing alcohol. All right, well, hand me that rubbing alcohol and we give it a good clean. And then she'll bandage this one up as best she can. And while she's got the med kit, she'll probably see if there's a pair of tweezers or something or anything that can might be able to get. Yes, there absolutely are. Yeah. All right. So then she'll, because this hand is unusable, she'll ask if... And he will can. sit there and do basic first aid on you <laughs> while he sits there and sweats in the heat. You can see that there are dark sweat stains that are peering through his tweed jacket now <laughs> and uh and he is very uncomfortable but he ends up bandaging you up just fine he rolled a 25 which is a success and it grants one hit point back Ooh, well this has been a great start <laughs> <laughs> my goodness um maybe we should just take a break on the exploration of the crates for now and just like document what's within the rooms for now that and maybe good, tomorrow yeah. bring someone and we'll take care of the rest of them yes okay so we'll scoot back in the house upstairs i'll look at him you can take the jacket off if you need to i understand that it is a warm day 
he is he's going to nod at you and say, you know what, I will take you up on that. And he pulls the jacket off, rolls up his sleeves, and even pulls his tie off mm-hmm. and puts it with his jacket and then follows you up the stairs. All right, so scoot back upstairs. Uh, and then there's, uh, so there was the room directly to the right, which was the crates that we were yes. dealing with. Um, there's a door across from it. And then the hallway kind of circles back around the staircase okay. for two more doors, one on each side. All right. Well, we'll just open the door that's directly to the left of the staircase there. The one that's across the hall. Uh, that door is locked. Oh, interesting. She'll take out the key ring and just see if that third key works on it. Uh, and it does not. Huh. Ruben's going to stop and say that one. I was told that in your hand is for the root cellar. I did not know anything else about locked rooms or, or for the keys. Well, let's see if we can see, find keys elsewhere in the house before I decide to break anything in the house. Um, and I'll scoot down the hallway and take a look to the door on the right. And the, as it opens up, it reveals a huge four-poster bed. Okay. There's a wardrobe to the side. There are a couple of large windows, and, and um, the one by the bed is the one that goes out to the front yard. But this room is smaller than you thought it would be. It's narrower. So you'd seen that there were three identical windows um, up top, and the other two must be from for the other room. Okay. Um, there's a wardrobe in here. There's a small coat rack, and there are uh, two chests of drawers as well. So this is obviously his bedroom. And uh, in the corner, you see that there is a small basin that is dry, and there's a towel that is like laid over the edge of it, and it looks like it's crusted on. So it was—it's probably it was wet at one point, and is just dried here. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a bar of soap, and you see a razor, and you also see a bedpan. Well, it looks like a bedpan was used, and that there might not be any kind of bathroom option in the back. And Ruben pulls out his book and just starts scribbling. Um, she'll just take a quick photo of like the bed and like any of the furniture that looks like it's worth anything no like desk or study or anything in here that's right do the sheets look like clean-ish or just like is the bed made or does it look disheveled no the bed is disheveled but it looks relatively clean it has been used but not in a while everything in here is kind of dusty smelling and the door has been closed and the air has gone stale yeah um she'll probably turn to him and be like in case we don't find them can you make a note to bring some clean sheets tomorrow yes thank you from what I'm noticing, I think this might be the only bed in the house. He's standing outside of the room. He says, well, there's this door as well. Ah, walk across and have a look in that room. And that door is also locked. Hmm. Um, I'll go back into the bedroom and start rummaging through some of the drawers just to see if I can find maybe a set of keys or something that might be in here. Sure, give me a spot hidden. Okay. Ooh, spot hidden. So I rolled a 12. So that will be an extreme success. Then you actually do manage to find that underneath one of the drawers, there is a bit of a false bottom. And in there are a little monocle. And it looks fairly large for a monocle, but the glass has been uh, knocked out of it. So Mm -hmm. it's just the ring with a chain and three keys. Oh. Each one of them is separate. They're not on a ring or a chain of any kind. Oh, I wonder if any of these will work. And she'll take the keys and she'll scoot across the hall, to just directly across the hall, probably where Ruben's still standing, and yeah. try the keys and see if she can get it to work. Uh, yeah, absolutely. One of the keys does open it up. Okay. The door swings open, and inside is a dark room. Again, no windows, because this is also on the back of the house. Yeah. And Ruben points out, well, that's odd, as he looks and points out the furnace that's here. Okay. And he says, perhaps that's why there's... 
the large area between the two levels, the furnace upstairs makes no sense to me. Hmm. And so he sits there and he wanders right over to the furnace. He's like looking around it and he's going to be focused on that. You also see that there's a pile of clothing just discarded off in the corner and the rest of the room is empty. He says, I see coal here, but this looks like it's a, a wood burning furnace here and I don't see any splinters. There's nothing, there's not even a poker here. I don't understand. Why would you use coal here to burn it hotter when you could just put it in the basement and he just starts going off about how, how he's weird Yeah, is. how strange this is. Yeah. Well, does it... It does, does it look like it's built into the house? Like it's attached? Yeah. Uh, yeah, but it looks like it's been a secondary addition. But it has been built in here. So this was definitely... It's intentionally got, put there. Yeah, yeah, it's got a smokestack that goes up through the roof. Um, but it also has uh, large piping that heads down the back and into the floor as well. And then the pile of clothes that's here, does it look like it's like dirty laundering type clothes? Or is it... It just seems to be discarded men's clothes. Uh, a lot of it is different sizes, and a lot of it seems to be very trendy clothing as well. Huh. I'll look at, like, the wall that would have been uh, stained on the other side, like, mm -hmm. from the other room, and there's nothing on that wall. Like, the walls are empty. Yeah, that's right. There's nothing there. And then nothing else that could be lit as a light source other than this furnace, if I felt like lighting it somehow. That's right. What what purpose would you need for a furnace in, in this heat? Is, is that is it? Does it get that cold here at night? Uh, it will in the winter. He said the, the winter snap that comes through here yeah. will chill you straight through because of how wet the air is. Yeah. So, however, it again, it makes no sense to have it here. Most of the heat will go right up through the, through the roof. Mm -hmm. He said, from where I can see this back air, I don't understand. And he, he's annoyed and upset and confused <laughs> um, by this. He says, this, this actually drops the value of the house if I can't figure out why why this is here the way that it is. Um, in my mind, I'll probably wonder, like, is it large enough to look like he's been burning things in it? Or does it just look like a, is it like a small, like, just Oh, no, no, no. It, it, it's a relatively large and round, and it is, um, like, two barrels stacked on top of each other with a large door in the front of it. Mm -hmm. uh, so you very likely could burn items in here. It's meant to take a lot of wood or coal yeah. in here. So. And there's just coal, no wood in this room right That's now. That's right. So she'll open the furnace, have a peek. Does it look like it's been burning wood or burning coal? Uh, it definitely looks like it has been burning coal. Okay. So you can see that there are gray, broken uh, lumps of and bricks of coal that have been scattered through here and all sorts of ash. When you open it up, there's this puff of ash that comes from you disturbing the air. Do, do you still have that poker around? Yes, he holds it up. She'll grab it from and start sifting through to see if she has anything solid or if it's just all... There are lumps of coal that you're going to hit against. Yeah. But give me a spot hidden. Sure. That is a regular success. Uh, you do see that there is a glint of metal as you're poking around in here. Yeah. Um, Ruben hasn't seen this. I'll ask him to go downstairs and grab my flashlight, actually. Okay. And then so I can have a closer look. And uh, he's going to... Stop and say, uh, it's in the kitchen. And then he's going to head on down and leave the poker with you. Excellent. Um, I'm going to probably reach in and grab whatever, if I can grab whatever it is that I thought was metal. Uh, it is a small piece of silver. Um, maybe a third of the size of your thumbnail. Mm -hmm. And it's a little lump of silver. Interesting. All right. Well, at this point, I'll just wait for him to come back with the, the flashlight. Um, mm -hmm. I'll probably pocket the, the silver lump for now. Okay. Just to... And, and just sift to see if I can find another or more or something like that. But I'll wait for, for the flashlight for a little bit more light to see if we can see better. 
Uh, he's going to hand you the flashlight and kind of step back. He's going to go over and investigate the clothes as you are moving this stuff around. You do see that there are more of these little lumps of metal. I'll take out one and I'll turn to him and be like, do you know what this might have been? And he's going to pick it up and say, I have no idea. I'll take it into town and, and see. Sure. Yeah, take it with you and see what you can find. There seems to be a few of them in there. Hmm. Strange. So... She'll probably take a photo of the furnace itself while we have some daylight floating around. Um, there are no windows here. Well, probably point the flashlight then. Sure. That's it. Take a photo of it. Um, as well as the pile of clothes. Uh, and then scoot down the hallway, see if she can unlock that other door. Okay. Yep. And one of the keys works in this one as well. And uh, inside you see that there is a single wooden bench mm-hmm. that sits in the direct center of the room. There, And between the two large windows, there is a massive life-sized crucifix there is a uh, wooden carved jesus on a giant bronze cross and the look on his face is one of exalted pain and there's just the two windows at the front nothing along the side that's right um is are they open is the light coming through uh no the the curtains have been pulled on absolutely everything i'll walk across the room and open them so there's light in the room uh, to see if there's anything else of... You notice that it does smell a little off in here as well. Yeah. When you go to open up those curtains, you hear Reuben stop and start retching. And he turns away and he says a little prayer under his breath. And he scoots her out the door around into the hallway. Are you okay? <clears throat> Was not expecting to see that horrific image. Uh, and that's when you see that stuffed into the mouth of the life-sized Jesus is some sort of meat that's been rammed in there, which has rotted and is full of squirming maggots. Oh, God. Oh, good. And there's nothing on the walls, no other paintings, nothing? That's right. Is there any, is there like a rug or anything on the ground or is it just the wood floor in this room? Just the wood floor. These rooms seem to each, except for the bedroom, they seem to be mostly barren. Yeah. Like there's been nothing that's been happening up here. Um, well, I'm all right with leaving this one locked. If that's all right with, I just, I am... I don't feel particularly comfortable with this room. Um, in fact, she won't even take a picture of this room. Okay. Like, she just won't mm-hmm. feel right about it. So she'll make mention of that, close the door and lock it. And just be like, I- I'm fine with leaving that one. And uh, and he stops and looks at him and says, I am as well. We should think carefully about who we would have, who we would invite to come empty this room. Uh, because small towns rumors spread. Agree. Have you ever seen anything like that in your life? Not even in my nightmares. Um, before you go this evening, would you mind assisting me in um, finding any candles or oil lanterns and help me? There are a number of candles that I discovered in the kitchen. Okay. And as far as lanterns go, besides the sconces on the walls and the one that we saw in the sitting room, I noticed there was one hanging on a nail outside the back porch. And I would suggest looking down in the cellar. Because what I'd like to do before you leave tonight is is maybe just line the bedrooms and like the rooms just so that I have access to light if I need it this evening. Of course. And yep. then I think that might be the last thing that I request of you before you go today. I would, uh, I'm going to require that drink now, I'm afraid. Absolutely. <laughs> what I'll do is I'll head down to the cellar. I will grab our cheers and I'll see if there's any candles down there while I'm there. I'll do that at the same time. And I'll meet you back in the kitchen then. Yes, excellent. All right, cool. So I'll make my way slowly downstairs to the kitchen and down into the cellar again. I'll have my flashlight with me. Mm. Uh, and then just do a quick glance, see if I see anything else. Sure, yes. You've, there are two more lanterns. 
that are there as well, as well as a large um, drum of oil. Um, so I'll bring all that upstairs into the kitchen with me. And Reuben is sitting there and he says, uh, this drawer here is absolutely full of candles, some standing, some meant for uh, the chandelier and some meant for uh, the sconces. Mm -hmm. uh, and then he actually reaches down and he says, and I also found this. And he puts a little cardboard box in front of you and pops it open and inside are two shotgun shells. Oh, well, I could use a drink. Um, so let's do that. And then if you can help me prep the house for the evening before you go, um, I'd appreciate that. Absolutely, yes. Excellent. Yep, and he grabs a couple of glasses and says, had I known about the liquor cabinet, I wouldn't have bothered with this, but let's let's find out what the locals make, shall we? <laughs> Sounds good to me. Make a con save. Oh, I rolled. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> you both, I, I, I rolled better. You both take a swig of this. It is the most potent, foul turpentine level moonshine that you've ever had in your life and it's enough that you have to spit it right out mm. uh it, it your entire mouth and nose feel as if they are on fire mm -hmm. even reuben is sputtering <laughs> no 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 well that's not drinkable reuben. no it is not the, the i think that that rubbing alcohol is more drinkable than this is well i think at this point i am not against looking in that liquor cabinet. How about you? <laughs> I won't tell if you don't. All right. So she'll just scoot quickly into the dining room. The cabinet looks locked, right? Yes, but there was a key in it. In it, okay, yeah. excellent. So she'll open it up and be like, all right, let's see what we have here. Open the cabinet. There are a number of uh, uh, bottles of whiskey and a number of bottles of gin. There mm -hmm. are also a few decanters of both dark and clear liquid uh, that are unmarked. At the very bottom, there are two bottles of wine and a bottle of champagne. All right, so she'll grab the champagne, bring it back. Well, she'll, she'll grab the champagne and one of the bottles of whiskey, just in case. Mm -hmm. And then she'll scoot back into the kitchen and then pop the cork on a bottle of champagne. Uh, and it, it definitely pops and fizzes, but not a whole lot. Mm -hmm. He uh, holds the glasses out for you to fill them up. All right, I'll yeah. fill them up generously. <laughs> and, uh, and he will toast to your Uncle Manford. May he rest in peace. Absolutely. Uh, and then he's going to go about uh, setting you up with the lanterns uh, just inside and to the left of every door that you would like to go through. Mm -hmm. So there were a number of lanterns. Where would you like them to be? Um, I would say definitely one in the kitchen for sure. Yep. Upstairs in the bedroom mm -hmm. for sure. And then I would say probably near the, like in the hallway to light sure. up the main hallway just so that I know how to get out of the house. <laughs> All right, so uh, he actually pulls out a little bit and he shows you bread and cheese and uh, this can of beans that he got in case you were particularly hungry. There's some uh, salted meat that is there and a small canteen of fresh water as well. And he lays it out and says, this is, uh, this is essentially what I have. And he pulls out a jar of pickles. And he says, this is what they had as far as variety goes. I'll head into the butcher and the bakery tomorrow after I come out and see you. And I, and I will bring you a more hearty feast the next time. <laughs> appreciate it. This has been very appreciated. Yes, this should get you through a couple of days, I would hope. So there is quite a bit in there, but not a lot of variety. That works for me. Is there anything that you need from me before you go? And he says, no, uh, actually what I do need is I need to sit down at uh, preferably a desk or a the dining room table. And I need to sit down and begin writing my report. Uh, and I will stay here to facilitate any questions that you may have until dusk. 
I am expecting there to be a knock on the door as we get to the sundown. So between five and six, I would assume. All right. Feel free to do so. Um, I'll probably do some exploring of my own. Remember, we have ten days to find the deed. Mm -hmm. And so he's going to head into the the dining room area. And he's going to go open up one of the windows and sit. So the window is over his shoulders behind him. And he's going to sit there and write facing the the doorways out into the hallway. Uh, There were a number of papers and a a folder and whatnot that were in the briefcase as well that he has now pulled out and and he's working on on some reports. Okay. Uh, He is going to ask you to spell your name for him and he he spells it out uh, and he wants to know as well your age, where you're from, your birthday, that kind of thing um, for the legal documents, but he's going to be caught up in this for the most part. So what would you like to do from here? Um, so probably go into the trophy room, do the same kind of thing. I'll, I'll open whatever windows I can to bring in whatever light I can mm. or whatever's remaining. Um, sit down at the desk and honestly, probably until he leaves at dusk will be the amount of time that I sit going through whatever I can find in this desk, reading in, in detail what I can if I find anything interesting. Um, mostly looking for the deed specifically, but also looking for anything that would pertain to what we just saw upstairs or any shipping documents from the crates that we found or anything like that would be what I'm kind of looking for. Okay, uh, we're going to roll library use. Okay. And I'm going to separate this out into uh, into three rolls, okay? Sure. So roll number one is going to be you looking for the deed and legal stuff. Yep. The second one is going to be for religious documents. And the third one is going to be for um, the shipping manifests for the, for the crates. Yep. So uh, let's roll library use. Okay. Well, good start. What is your library use My score? My library use is going to be 40, and I rolled an 89. So you do not find anything here as you spend the rest of your afternoon rifling through the desk. You see that there are some notices here, but it seems to be traveling papers, train tickets. There is a, uh, a lot of receipts and, uh, and documents about purchasing certain items. There's a lot of correspondence overseas, both to Europe and Africa, but also up into the... Uh, into North Carolina, there's quite a bit of, of correspondence, hmm. um, specifically to a friend named Grant. They seem to go back and forth, giving little updates. Um, but what's interesting is that he does seem to be lapsing into another language a lot of the time. Okay. Not recognizable. Uh, what languages do you speak? English. English. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so no, not immediately. Not off, not off the top of your head. So that was the first roll. Yep. 51. So as far as religious texts and whatnot goes, nothing in here yeah. like that at all. Uh, not even so much as a Bible or a, a scribble of a, a chapter title. Nothing in here. Yeah. And then last roll. 58. So the only mention that you can find of uh, the crates at all is in a letter to Grant. And the letter to Grant simply says, the crates have arrived. I'm very excited to see what's there. And of course, we're looking for anything beyond the standard yellow quartz. And that's all that's that's mentioned of the crates. Beyond yellow quartz? I don't know anything about rocks, do I? But do you have geology? I, ha- I have chemistry. Then no. no. So this brings us to a close in the afternoon. And you do hear Ruben get up and, and wander around. At one point, he advises you that... 
He is going to leave the bedpan to you and he's going to step outside for a moment and he disappears. But he very much takes the poker with him. And there's a strange level of paranoia now. He seems very ill at ease. And as he's talking to you, he keeps glancing up towards the room where that crucifix was. Yeah. And when you do see him next, you see that he's actually pulled a small gold cross on a necklace out from from underneath his shirt and sitting on the outside as if he'd pulled it out and was playing with it. Mm -hmm. So he's quite bothered by what he saw upstairs. I'll mention as he's like getting himself all up and getting ready to go, like, I I think we do both understand the secrecy of which we need to keep in this, this household for now. Of course. I will not say a word to anyone. As a matter of fact, and he offers a handful of papers to you. He says, if you'd like to read my report as such, just to see, I am above board. I am 100% in the clear on this. So I want this house to be worth as much money as possible for the bank. If there is that upstairs, that horrible visage of, of disgusting perversion of our Lord, then I cannot sell this house. So I'm content to throw that into the swamp and never think of it again. All right. <laughs> so I would hope that if you do bring someone here with you tomorrow, they would have either the same discretion or we keep it to ourselves. Yes, that door is locked. Here. Yes. Then they can think of it as a storage space that is empty. All right. I'm glad we are in agreement. He's going to essentially wrap everything up. He is going to um, help load the, the food into one of the cupboards um, so that it's easily accessible. You don't have to go down those, those stairs if you don't want to because he does need to take his briefcase with him. And then he's going to go wait by the front door um, because the sun is starting to go down. Uh, I can definitely swing out in the morning and grab some, some new linens. Mm-hmm. As far as looking into blueprints and whatnot, that may take a day or two. Yep. And I don't know if the local city hall, for lack of a better term, is going to have the appropriate records. It's not like there's a library in town for me to go to. True. So we, I may have to travel a, a few days to go to and from to get to get any sort of real answer. Well, I'll see what I can find in the house in the meantime. Uh, when he sees the driver, he's going to uh, wave at the driver. And it is a car this time and not a horse-drawn carriage. Mm-hmm. And he's going to wave at, uh, at you as he get, goes to get in and say, Stay safe tonight. Safe travels. It is now evening. It is getting darker now. What would you like to do? How are you going to pass the time this evening? So first thing to do, obviously, is light any of the lanterns and candles that they had around in the hallway and in the rooms and stuff, just so that she doesn't have to move around the house and light it. It's just already lit. And then, honestly, it'll be more sifting and looking and reading through things. She'll probably start with the inside, the sitting room, like the smaller sitting room. Remember, there was like there was a shelf that had a bunch of papers stuffed into like the like all sprued about yeah. within the shelves. Um, she'll probably just start pulling and sifting through those. She'll probably look through the bookcase to see if there's any specific books that look like they've been pulled out or read recently for those religious type artifacts to see, like, again, those three things that she's really kind of looking for um, and spend a little bit of time in this room. So I think that she'll probably maybe even light the fire in that room. There's enough in here that it will take more than one evening to go through by by a long shot. One of, there's the bookshelf and yep. there are two large piles that are beside the chairs. Mm -hmm. So there was that lantern and and whatnot that was a small candle in the snuffer on the table. Uh, There's also a letter opener in a drawer in this small table as well. Yeah. As well as a a pen with an inkwell. So you're going to spend the majority of the time in this this room? Yeah, I think I probably will. I think this will be one of the rooms that I 
and try and figure out more. I might actually add to like what I'm searching through is if I can find any more information between the relationship between him and Grant. Sure. Like if there's more letters between the two of them. Mm -hmm. Just because I feel like he knows about what's upstairs in, with the stones and stuff. Um, before I do that though, I'm actually gonna go into the trophy room and look at that, the stone underneath the globe. Like I'll take the, see if I can get it. That glass the dome glass off. Dome off yeah. And actually like observe the stone to see if there's anything etched into it or, and just have a, a more solid look at it. Sure. Uh, let's do a spot hidden on that. Okay. That is going to be a success. As you, you pull the dome off, the dome was covered in dust and whatnot before, and you get a bit of a, a clearer look. It is dark outside now, and there's not as much light that's coming into this room mm -hmm. through the window. So uh, what are you walking around with, the flashlight or a lantern or I'll candles? I'll walk with the flashlight, and then it's just the, the ones that I lit that are the regular lighting in like the hallway and stuff. Uh, you see that there is a unique streak of color through this piece of quartz. The color at first glance seems to be kind of a magenta uh, color through the yellow mm -hmm. uh, and you can only see it from a certain angle as you move it seems to shift between uh, turquoise to a sea foam green through the spectrums of purple and it seems to be shifting even when you stop moving the flashlight and you're just standing still looking at it the the color is almost playing tricks with your eyes i would like you to roll a sanity check I did not. This actually takes a significant portion of time. As you sit there and look at this, you can feel your gaze that is honing in on this color that seems to be shifting and whatnot. It, it's giving you an impression of flowing water, almost. Mm -hmm. And you blink and come to and find that it is very late at night. It is dark outside now. Mm -hmm. And the flashlight in your hand has gone out. The battery has reached the end of its charge. Oh. You have been here for a long time. The lanterns out in the hallway are burning low and two of them are already out of oil. You've been here, you have no idea what time it is, but it is suddenly late. I'm gonna need you to roll, uh, we're gonna roll a D3, which is gonna be a D6. I'm gonna let you roll your own sanity. Okay. So. You're going to lose two points of sanity. Okay. As you suddenly jump start and, and you get the impression that there's there was a voice almost in your head that was whispering to you, your own inner monologue was talking to you. Mm -hmm. just from staring at this quartz. Almost like you woke up from a dream and you could hear someone calling your name as you, as you came awake. Look at the colors, Louise. Look at the colors. Ooh. Probably a shot of adrenaline will kick in and she'll look for like the closest light source that, she, that I can find and run towards it. I'm assuming there would be one that's in the hallway. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, one of the lanterns that is, that is burning low in the hallway. Mm -hmm. uh, just needs more oil. Yeah. And of course, you can crank the the flashlight back up as well, but it's uh, that crank would be with your luggage. Yeah. So yeah, I'll run into the hallway, grab one of the lanterns that's still working, and then probably the in the kitchen is probably where I left all my stuff. Mm -hmm. So I'll walk into the kitchen to grab everything for like my flashlight to get that working, and then probably go and refill all the lanterns that I can. You, I've used up about half of the oil now by burning all the lanterns at once. Um, I'll just, uh, I'll, f I'll fill the one that I have in my hand. Yeah. Um, and just use that to kind of walk myself back to the small sitting room 
Yeah. Um, is the fire still lit? In the- it, it's still lit. It's burning low. Okay. It, it's mostly embers, but there's still a little bit of flame in here. This room is warm, and the rest of the house is relatively cold now. Well, I'll just um, relight the, like, reliven the fire to bring some natural light into the room from the fire, and then sit in not the chair that it had occurred, probably according to the other chair that's across from it. Okay. And then sit there and do deal with my flashlight and. Sure, crank get, it back up. Get it and, all cranked up. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, can I get a listen check as well, please? Mm-hmm. So my listen is only 58 and I rolled a 68. It is strangely quiet in this house. You're used to a little bit more moving and bustling around and being from a from a town that's not surrounded by wilderness Yeah. like this. Uh, what you do hear is the sound of birds, crickets, bullfrogs. And if you really strain your hearing, you can hear the gurgling of the fountain. Mm. But it is quiet and still, and the crackling of the fire is probably the loudest thing around you besides your own breath. Once I've got the flashlight working, and I've noticed that I'm starting to run low on oil, I'll probably walk around and take away the light from the other lanterns, Mm -hmm. um, and then go back into this room. And then I'll actually... Because of what happened with this stone in the other room, I'm going to look at this bookshelf and see if I can find a book on rocks. Sure, yep. Um, You are actually going to come across, uh, there are four different kinds of books here about rocks. One is on mining. Mm -hmm. One is on uh, geology in Louisiana. Mm -hmm. One is on meteorites. And one is on fossils. Hmm. So there are a number of books in these four genres. Um... I'll probably think to look at the one on geology because I'm looking for types of rocks. Okay. I don't really believe that it came from space in my mind, but... Sure. (laughs) So I'll probably start sifting through that book and see if I find anything on different colors of stones. Yep. Uh, Library? Yes, this will be a library. Yes. That is a 98. So luck gives me the ability to... Roll? No, so if you spend luck, okay. you actually just oh, plug the points into it to get to your get desired roll. Okay. Or a push is a re-roll, but you have to get your hard success okay. number instead. Which I'd have to roll below it. Well, I can't really get any worse than this, so let's give it a go. <laughs> I, I have to be clear. If you try to do more your the con- and fail, the consequences become worse as you go as well. So. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to do it anyway. Sure. I'm just looking at a book, right? How crazy can it be? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> what's your roll? An 81. And what did you need? A 20. Uh, and I don't, I would not even have enough luck to push that even if I wanted to, so. <laughs> uh, as you uh, start flipping through this book, you find that there have been scribbles all the way through to the point where you cannot read any of these books. Um, the largest one, which is essentially a beginner's guide to geology, and it looks like it's a textbook from a university. Uh, as you are flipping through it, you see that there are scribbles, the words not helpful, or a, a paragraph circle that says, close, must investigate further. There's no real clues anywhere in here, but the further that he goes um, in this book, 
the more the scribbles seem to get angry where he's actually crossing out words. Looks like a few pages have even been torn free. And not as if preserved nicely, but like half of the page is still there and it's ripped diagonally through it. The other books seem to be in even worse condition mm. uh, on geology itself. Hmm. Just for curiosity's sake, like because I'm sure that, that took some time to sift through yes. these books. It's starting to get later and later and later in the evening. Oh, it's well past midnight at this point. Okay, so what she'll do is she'll probably... At that, while she's sifting, she'll probably let the fire start to slowly die out and then start making her way upstairs towards the bedroom with her flashlight, uh, extinguish any of the other lights that are within the hallways as she's going. But she really kind of wants to know what cut her hand. So on her way up the stairs, she's going to scoot into that room to the right, also where the shotgun still is. And so she'll scoot in there and then she'll kind of look into the crate. She'll use her flashlight this time to carefully sift through, see if she can figure out what cut her hand because she doesn't believe it's a rock. So there might be something else in there. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Roll uh, spot hidden. Okay. Regular success. The regular success as you are in there focusing on this crate. You are uh, moving your hand through and you find that sure enough there is something sharp there. Mm-hmm. And when you pull it out, it seems to be relatively light. It seems to be a piece of pottery that looks like it has broken in transit. And it looks like it is a clay pot. Etched into the side of it is a number of different glyphs and and runes that mean nothing to you. So with that, what she'll do, she'll gather up the shotgun, take one more curious, like, flash around the room, see if she spots anything. There's that stain that's on the wall, and it seems to be wet. Mm. The stain itself is actually wet now, where it was a dry stain before. There seems to be, like, a gleam to it. She's going to go touch it. (laughs) No, no, no. Yeah, no, she will. She'll walk up, I'll walk up and like, just kind of like press my fingertips to it just to see what it feels like. It's spongy wallpaper. It feels like the wood behind the wallpaper is, is rotten. It's cold and wet and you've got a slimy feel to your fingertips. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just feels gross. You ever touched a, a absolutely waterlogged piece of wood, like a like a smooth branch? Yeah. It, it's like that level of wet, you can almost push your hand into it mm-hmm. uh, and you hear a, a little wet squish noise. And it's a wallpaper, right? Yeah, yeah, there's wallpaper there. So what I'll do is I'll put my flashlight like on probably on one of the crates so it's pointing towards this wall. Yeah. Um, and then I'm actually going to go and grab a piece of that pottery that was broken um, and use it to actually see if I can cut away the actual wallpaper. And I'll peel back through and see if there is like, if it is just the wood or if there's actually like a wick of water or a sludge between. As you peel the wallpaper back, you see that there is the wood itself that's there is just molded rot. This has a significant level of black mold and and um, little tinges of green and white mold in it as well. This wall will need to be replaced. And uh, it looks like there's something that's like, there's a leak in the ceiling that is dripping down through that covers this entire section of wall. It's about three feet wide and from ceiling to floor. And it's just moist and wet and moldy. Does it look like it's dripping from the ceiling or coming through the wall itself? Almost like it's like the origin is in the ceiling yeah. and it looks like it's it's dripping downwards based on the pattern of it, but there's no actual clear water that you can see. So it's probably still behind the wall. Yeah. But it, it's definitely, it's wider at the top than it is at the bottom and there are, there are vertical streaks. Okay. I'm going to grab the flashlight and point it at the ceiling. Is there anything up top? Just more mold. 
It just seems to be more intensely moldy up there, but not at the ceiling, only the wall itself. And did I see anything indication of there being an attic? No. Well, actually, I'll grab the flashlight and walk out into the hallway yep. and look at the ceiling of the hallway and see if there's like one of those like ceiling staircases that would pull down at all. There's not. Well, interesting. All right. At this point, she's kind of like, all right, well, I can't really see much more of this without the daylight. I might as well wait until tomorrow. Um, so she'll kind of gather up her things and I'll scoot into the bedroom area and just start getting myself ready for, for some sleep time. As you fall asleep... You can feel the overwhelming oppression of that horrific statue on the other side of the wall. There is a disturbing quality to the air. And you don't want to face that direction as you lay in the bed. But to roll away from it means that it's behind you. Mm -hmm. And there is no good way to fall asleep. You haven't been this frightened since you were a little girl. And with only the flashlight there, and you know that it will not stay on all night cranked. Right, You would have to get up and, and crank it up again or light another lantern. You know that it's going to be dark in here before morning. There's a general feeling of unease and that's when you hear the howls outside. There's one and then it's answered by two or three more in the distance and then another one and then another and they seem to not be that close. Mm -hmm. But they are out there and those must be the dogs that they've been talking about. What uh, Ephraim said were wolves. Mm -hmm. And you fall asleep. The dreams you have that night are restless. You are not going to feel well rested at all by the time that you wake up. And um, anything that is going to require any sort of real physical effort on your part is going to be rolled at disadvantage. You're tired. Okay. Body tired, not mind tired. Yeah. You wake up the following morning and the daylight is coming into the window. It's early morning. You probably have a few hours before uh, before Reuben shows up. Um, first thing I'll probably do when I get up is scoot myself back into the um, room with the crates mm -hmm. and check on the wall with the wallpaper I peeled back like, and see what it looks like this morning as opposed to last night. You must have dreamt it because the wallpaper wasn't cut. Yo. Oh, good. <laughs> Um, and it looks dry like it did the other day. Yes, it's dry the same as it was yesterday. Mm -hmm. uh, and as a matter of fact, the clay pottery shard that you'd pulled out is sitting on top of one of the other crates. I'll probably actually grab the pottery again and see if I can cut it again in okay. the same spot that I did the night before. And yep. see, if it we'll see what happens if I can. And as you do, you get an overwhelming sense of deja vu as you are sitting there cutting it. I'd like you to roll another sanity check. Okay. Not bad. 30, so pass. It makes you almost stop and laugh at how silly this feels. That Like, you, this must have been a dream. Yeah. Obviously, you would have come in here and done this, but you were feeling a little bit funny and off since you were staring at that rock yesterday. Mm -hmm. And time feels a little bit odd. How many hours did you spend reading? How long were you staring at, at that piece of quartz? Yeah. How low was the fire, and why did you have to recrank the flashlight? Right. So there's a, the question about how much time passed is is a strange one. You end up laughing at yourself. You must have been tired from all that traveling. And as you peel back the wallpaper, you see that it is just a solid wooden wall. There's not even rot. It looks like it's just the wallpaper that's stained. Ha ha ha, self. <laughs> how silly you must feel. Your um, nerves are probably raw from sleeping so close to that horrible yeah, crucifix. True enough. Honestly, thinking about that, 
and mixed in with having hearing the wolves or thinking that I heard the wolves last night, there's actually a weird sense in me that feels like I should remove the lot, like any of the, the the flesh object that might be in that room. Mm, okay. Because I don't want to attract anything into the house if I can avoid it. I'll want to do it before Ruben gets there because I don't want him to have to go into or see that room. Sure. So I'll probably go into the kitchen and see if I can find a, a bowl or a basin or something that I can put it in mm-hmm. and then head on into that room and see if I can retrieve it. Uh, as you open it up, you're hit by the stench again, and now you know what to look for. And you can see that while it's lit from both sides from behind, the shadow that's cast across its face means you can't even really see the look that's on its face clearly. And now, as you get closer, you see the shadows peel back and reveal that his eyes are rolled up in his head, almost as if uh, there's a look of ecstasy on his face, but his mouth is open in a scream. Uh, his teeth are all look like they've been uh, carved out of ivory and pushed into the statue itself. It looks like there's been so much love and attention put into this statue and the meat that is rotting in there looks like it is probably pork, Mm -hmm. some sort of pig meat, just by the consistency of it, but it has rotted badly. Mm -hmm. The sheer number of maggots and whatnot are uh, disgusting. It's almost as if the meat itself is moving and alive, as if a tongue inside its mouth. I'll probably, like, scoop it out into the basin that I've brought upstairs with me. Can you give me a constitution check to keep your cookies down? Yeah! Ooh, 11. So, yes. Was that a... That is a... No, it's not... Well, actually, I'll push a luck and I'll make it an extreme save. Save, success, whatever that word is. So, that's an extreme success? Yeah. So, you are able to steal yourself for a moment and get it in there... It's best to not think about the feel of the movement on your fingers. Mm-hmm. But with a deep breath, you're able to scoop it in and uh, and then turn your head to the side and walk it out of the room quickly. Yeah. Without succumbing to any sort of vomit instinct that Reuben had had yesterday. Yeah. I'm going to run, well, I'm going to jauntily walk it outside to the backyard um, and then to the back end of like the yard to where like the greenhouse is yep. and try and toss it out of the basin over the fence as far as I can. Actually, give me a, give me a throw check. Cool. Because we have that. It lands on your... So. <laughs> Ooh! Uh, rolled a 12, uh, so that'll be a hard success. So, uh, that's excellent. You are able to get that far into the distance. It, it thumps out of sight behind bushes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually going to take it over to the fountain, give it a good like zhuzh and wash through and then actually take a basin of water and I'm going to take it upstairs. I'm actually going to clean the crucifix as best as I can. As you're sitting there cleaning it, you see that the tongue itself is made of uh, shiny metal. So uh, as you are sitting there and wiping it down, you can feel that this is actually loose. And as you are touching it, it is shifting and moving. It is precariously balanced. As if like it's not like on uneven ground or? Uh, uh, yeah, as if it could top if you touch it. Does it feel like it's like on top of something that it shouldn't be? Or? No, you can see the base of the crucifix is just like balanced on the floor. Okay, yeah. Well, I'll be as careful as possible. So give me a sleight of hand. Sure. Let's see how careful you are. I'm going to bust this thing so bad. Oh, that's not bad. You know what? I've got a lot to spend. I will spend it just to at least have a success. What, what did you roll? When, what, what, are we, what are we doing here? I rolled a 37. I'm supposed to roll a 20 just to be able to succeed at not sure. being an asshole. So I'm going to do that. 
So it does sit there and shift off balance. It almost goes, but you were able to reach out and steady it at the last moment so that it doesn't topple. Um, It's not quite in exactly the same position it was originally. It's it's skewed a little bit to uh, to the left, but it's okay. It's standing. No one would know any different. It and it's not gonna it's not gonna move. So my goal for this whole process was to make this room more tangible and visible if someone was to actually walk in here that without my knowing. Uh, the flies that are in this room can will dissipate if you open a window. I was gonna say the next thing I'll do is probably draw the curtains and open up the windows and leave the door open for some airing out. Okay, mm-hmm. and then the uh, and there's this simple wooden bench as well. Mm-hmm. That doesn't even have a back to it. It's not even like a pew. It is just a carved wooden bench directly in front of it. Mm-hmm. And it is relatively small. And that's all there is. This looks like a private prayer chamber. Yeah. This little chapel with a ridiculously oversized crucifix inside. Yeah. But nothing. Now it looks almost like if someone was to see it, they wouldn't be too scared of it. No, just whoever was here was obviously hyper-religious. Yeah. All right. So that's probably what I'm going to spend most of my morning doing. Sure. Is that? Yep, uh, and that's when you hear the knock on the door. Uh, I'll scoot down to open said door. You can see the outline of Reuben um, through the stained glass. Mm-hmm. And th- at this point, you spend enough time with the crucifix up top to be able to see that the picture in the door is the exact same uh, situation. The body is in the exact same position, and the eyes and uh, mouth are in the exact same position as the uh, statue upstairs. So... There's a constant theme to both of these. To this image, yeah. Yeah, that you hadn't really noticed before because it's subtle mm-hmm. compared to everything else. But uh, Ruben is sitting there kind of looking through the stained glass and he's waving through it. <laughs> um, all over the door, let him in. He says, how's your night? Uh, a little restless and uh, feeling a little tired today, but... Uh... Uh, I understand. I was not thrilled with uh, with our discovery last last night. <laughs> and so uh, I did not sleep well myself, but it did lead me to hunt down some uh, fresh linens. Of course, I couldn't go all the way into the nearest city to get them. I had to pay off the, the woman who's running the uh, bed and breakfast that I'm staying at. Oh. So, so the boarding house where I am has kindly accepted my donation. <laughs> for these sheets so here you are they're fresh well thank you i appreciate it and i have an appointment to spend my day in two days going into new orleans okay and i will spend a couple of days there hunting down these documents that we're looking for as well so i will be back tomorrow morning with more groceries and whatnot for you before i head out okay but so i'm going to need an actual grocery list from you list of anything else that you may need as well uh we'll, we'll come on and i'll draw that list up for you Yep. My driver is waiting. I have to turn around and leave, so okay. I'll, I'll have to be quick. All right. I'll drop down a couple of just basic, like, meat, cheese, breads, sure. that kind of stuff. Um, more oil I'll ask for, um, just because I've noticed I'm starting to run low. He says, so you're aware this will all be coming out of the estate? That's fine. <laughs> I don't want to stay here in the dark. I'm sure you understand. <laughs> of course. Um, and, uh, and the other thing that I have to say is that, um, obviously, you didn't find the deed... I haven't found anything yet. Okay. Um, I spent most of my night. Um, actually, I don't really know how I really spent my night. Um, yeah, I. But no, I, I was unlucky in finding what I needed to find. Um, but uh, I, I don't know if you knew that. I'll mention that I read a bunch of stuff about his friend Grant from, I'm assuming now, the North is. Like North Carolina. North Carolina, yeah. yeah. Um, It'd be like, if you can find any information on this Grant person, I don't know if I found a last name or anything. No, you hadn't. No. 
Um, but it's somebody that he, I'll mention, it's somebody that he conversed with a lot specifically to do with these rocks. And then if he finds anything about a, a relationship that would be helpful. Uh, yes, I will I will look into it. A grant that he would have known and um, these rocks. You mean like the quartz that we... Yeah, the, one, the quartz that we sure. found. Yeah. Yes, okay. I'll look into that and find out the significance of quartz. Yeah, there seems to be a significance in the different types of colors. I was I remember trying to read about it last night, but I couldn't find any information. But it looked like they were trying to figure out something to do with the different colors of quartz. So interesting. There might be a few different colors in those crates. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, uh, is there anything else that I can that I can leave you with? Um. No. I think that uh, all I need is more time with the house, and um, we'll just take it from there. Uh, if you need anything, you should know that. Uh, at about five o'clock in the evening, there tends to be one of the supervisors from the logging camp mm-hmm. comes this way. All of the rest of the men head down the other route. It is one large loop. Yeah. So uh, they will head east while he does the loop west, uh, just to make sure that uh, this whole area is cleaned up. He's the one that locks the gate at the main road, mm-hmm. which will keep you safe. If you need anything, five o'clock, you can flag him down, and he shows up at 5 a.m. as well before the sunrise. Okay. So he's he will be your point of contact. He says, and I also got you this, and he pulls out of a large satchel that he's got a, a radio. Oh, well, thank you. He says, I have no idea how it will work out here, <laughs> but I figured by yourself out here, you may want to hear some human voices. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. There's nothing else I'll be I'll be heading out. Nope, I think you've done quite enough. Thank you. He nods and heads out. You notice that uh, he doesn't turn around and wave this time. He just kind of scurries away from the house, mm-hmm. as if he's still a little nervous about being here. Yeah. So I'll probably, after having like a spot of breakfast, probably sitting somewhere in the kitchen. What I'll probably do is grab a stack of papers from one of the one of the rooms, maybe from like the the smaller study. Smaller sitting room. Sure. Just grab a, a stack of the papers from there, take them to the kitchen with me, and start sifting through them while I'm having my breakfast. Sure. What are you looking for? Still, probably some of the same stuff. I'll probably continue to see if I can just spot a deed. But my main thing is still now I'm just looking for more information on these these rocks because I'm super confused about mm-hmm. what happened last night. And yeah, probably more just deed and rock information, and maybe and then the relationship with Grant if there's more letters and stuff like that. I'm gonna push that just to be a success. You, you, are you spending luck? Yeah. Okay, so this one was, was to try to find any information, a deed or legal holdings or whatnot. Yeah. Um, and you do find some, some correspondence. It seems to be one of the older letters in the group. Uh, this is correspondence with uh, one of the owners of the land development company. And it goes back and forth about the sale of the property itself. And you're able to find out exactly how much he did spend, which was well over $10,000, which was an immense amount hmm. for this property. Uh, considering where it is and out in the swampland and whatnot, you I get the feeling that your Uncle Manford was robbed. Yeah. But he seemed to have been desperate enough to get it. And he was very specific about the place where the old logging cabin was. So the next one was you wanted to look for more information about the quartz rocks as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah, because... All right, so you do actually manage to find something, and it's in one of these letters from Grant. And it says... I remember that color as if I had seen it yesterday. Sometimes I feel I dream in that color. And all my dreams are of that shifting purple light. I feel as if it sucks the life from me. The energy comes right through my pores and out of my eyes. I think this must be a color from God. 
Am I like remembering it that the color I was looking at, the one in the room, was purple? It was a magenta-ish magenta. that was shifting back and forth. And then the last one I was going to attempt was anything about their relationship specifically between Grant and... Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, no, there there is correspondent back and forth. They seem to be talking about people that they know yeah. in common. Uh, a lot of these letters here, specifically about a common uh, family friend that they both know, uh, someone's son who had died in the war. So this seems to be a lot of back and forth about that as well. You notice that there are some very clear patterns to how they are talking uh, how grant is talking to your uncle manford mm -hmm. and it seems to be direct responses first a lot of times says to answer your first question or later on there'll be a paragraph that just says and of course yes mm -hmm. and then later on and so there's very little context given a lot of times however there are the occasional in-depth rambling or um or a new update about what's going on in grant's life you do find out that he has a son who's a bit of a philanderer who is consistently womanizing and has been known to fraternize with the help, uh, which is why they've had to move him away uh, from his place in New York City um, and back out to North Carolina because one of the help got pregnant. Um, all right, so that was kind of what I was spending my morning doing with my breakfast. So just kind of sitting there absorbing as much information as I can. I'll probably spend some time maybe just looking for specifically the deed to spend some time like any paper I can find but I think I'll actually start in the bedroom sure so after breakfast I'll probably just like scoot myself upstairs and then start going through any drawer that I can find in the bat in the bedroom underneath the bed searching through pockets of clothes that might be in there just to see if I can like because I feel like if it's a deed it'll be more personal it might be in his room yeah so I'll spend some time in the room sifting because I only looked through the one drawer and found the keys and moved on uh, right? you looked through the drawers okay. yeah with your extreme success you sifted through yeah it. you you went through a lot of it all right but sure we can go do that again give me a spot hidden as you're looking through uh woo! oh look at that I rolled a two so that is an extreme success as you are searching through the room, you find that there's actually a suitcase under the bed, yeah. which has a bunch of linens in it as well. Oh, good. And there are a number of different articles of clothing in here beyond just your uncle's size. Uh, and then you find as you pull that suitcase away that there's a hole in the floor. Oh. It seems to be about a foot wide. And it disappears into this space between the two levels. Is it like cut or like broken into the floor? Uh, it looks like it was purposefully broken in, but it's not um, It's not jagged by any means. Yeah, right? not like so, someone's foot went through the floor. No. Like it was purposefully... Yes, but it, it was definitely under the bed, underneath a suitcase. Um, I'll probably grab my flashlight. Is it like, it's a foot, so I can probably like try and look through with yeah. the flashlight? Okay, I'll probably, I'll go grab my flashlight and then... See if I can have a look. Sure, give me a spot hidden. Okay. Ooh. Um, well, all right. I'm going to push it. <laughs> You're rolling a lot of 80s. Uh, yeah, and that's too far to push luck. So I'll just... There are a lot of shadows down here and whatnot. You may have to move the bed. Okay. And the But the bed is a large four-poster bed and will probably require help to do that. What I'll do then is, do I feel like there's anything else in this room that I haven't quite sifted No, through? you've gone through pretty much everything. Pretty yeah. cleaned. Um, so with that, what I'll probably do is my afternoon, I'll probably scoot into the room with the crates and I know I'm tired, 
but I'm gonna see if I can open up any more of these crates myself. Sure, absolutely. Let's uh, let's roll a strength check with a penalty die. Is that a is that a ninety eight? <laughs> this crate itself is nailed shut, and while you are able to splinter the wood, mm-hmm. the bar itself ends up getting jammed and wedged in there, and the poker gets stuck. And it's got a little bit of a hook on the end, and it gets snagged on one of these nails, and now you're not able to pull it back out. No. So there is a poker. The end of it that's sticking out is not sharp, like you're not going to cut yourself on it as you walk by, but it is now sticking out into the middle of the room. Yeah. Um, well, there goes that plan for my afternoon. Um, I guess what I'll do is I will... Do I see any other, like, tools within the house? Like... There may... Yeah, there were gardening tools down below in the yeah. uh, root cellar. Yeah. Um, there will also be other tools probably down there. That's common... where Commonly where you would find them would be down there. There's not a tool shed around, but he was obviously really handy. Yeah. So there must be tools around somewhere. Okay, I'm gonna scoot back down into the cellar. I'm gonna see if I can find something like a sledgehammer or something with some weight to it. You will find a hammer and you will find an actual pry bar down there as well. Perfect. And a, but the pry bar itself is not like a crowbar. This is a five foot long piece of iron with a relatively sharp end on it. Not enough to cut something, but you could drive it in between bricks and break them apart. Yeah. Right. So the idea would be that you would use this to, it, it weighs like 25 pounds yeah. and you're able to wedge it in and then hit the end of it with the hammer yeah. um, to drive it in further and then use it to, to pull things open. This is great for uprooting stones and pulling apart bricks it's probably overkill for the <laughs> for the crates themselves and you would know that if you were to mishandle this upstairs you could actually injure yourself pretty badly yeah but it's that and the back of this claw hammer are going to be the two best ways that you would have to go about this other than that you have trowels and shears and gardening equipment okay for the most part um and the odd screwdriver well, I'll take, I'll grab the screwdriver and the hammer. Yeah. I'll leave the bar. I just don't think I'm going to be able to comfortably carry that upstairs myself and be able to use it properly anyways. And then scoot myself upstairs. And then what I'll probably, because the back of this hammer would have like that you could remove nails type thing. That's the right? claw. Yeah. yeah. So what I'll probably do is use the screwdriver to, well, try and use the hammer to pry it a little bit to get some of the nails loose and then use the hammer to try and break out the nails instead of breaking the wood. Sure, okay. And that'll be my new process. This is going to take you a while. I'd like a sleight of hand not to find out if you can, but to find out how long it takes you. Yep. And which crates are you working on? Remember, there are now six that are unopened. One of them has this poker sticking out and two in the closet. Um, I'll probably do the two in the closet just to be in a different part of the room sure. for a little while. Start with those two. Uh, roll a six. So that is a... And I'll spend two to make that an extreme success. You are able to, to break these open relatively easily. These are not the same kind of crates as the other ones. The other ones look at they're from international uh, shipping and whatnot. These seem to be more personal. And when you crack them open, uh, you're able to open up both of them uh, relatively easily. They have four nails in them each mm-hmm. and they will pop right out. There's a piece of paper uh, that is sitting on top of what looks like a lot of uh, very thin objects that are wrapped in um, newspaper. So uh, there's a piece of paper that is folded and it's not in an envelope, but it's definitely a message. Okay, I'll read said message if I can. Uh, And it says, uh, Dear Mr. Madison, we have completed the project. Uh, It has been at a great personal cost to do it. We lost many members out of our employment and I myself no longer sleep at night. I would thank you 
to not use this kind of material ever again, and I recommend that you break it and shatter it and send it away. To look upon it is to tear one's mind apart. Ooh, I'ma look upon it. I'll, I'll reach in and grab like, because I'm assuming, is it like small? Whatever is in this, is it just there, a bunch different There things? are a number of small, thin wrapped pieces in this crate. All right, I'll spend the time to empty it out and unwrap them. Okay, as you do, you see that these are shards of what you think of at first is glass. Mm -hmm. um, but it is a very familiar looking magenta color. Every one of them through and through. There's no yellow quartz around it. It seems to be made purely of this color. Mm -hmm. I would like you to roll a sanity. Yeah. With uh, penalty die. Fail! Then you can't re-roll sanity ones, right? No. No, you can't yeah. push them. Okay, then... You can use luck, but you can't push them. Yeah, luck can't. It's not going to save me now. What did you get? I rolled a 96. What did you need? Uh, well, my sanity is at 53. As you sit there and look upon these, as you unwrap them, you begin to drift off again. And the most overwhelming headache rips through your head. It seems as if looking through these pieces of this colored quartz warps the world on the other side of it. And as if it's underwater and constantly rippling. Mm. The stone itself seems solid, but the other side of it seems to be almost in an another world beyond the one that you are in yourself. I'm going to need you to roll a d10 for your sanity. Okay. Actually, I'm sorry. Uh, before that, I need you to roll an intelligence. Intelligence. Okay. Yeah. Now, this one, you don't want to get below. If you get below, that means you succeed in your intelligence and you understand what's happening. Yeah. Which damages your sanity even more. So glad I'm very smart. <laughs> are you? My intelligence is 90. Ah. <laughs> and I rolled a 22. So you <laughs> understand looking through this, that this immediately takes you back to that moment last night and... And what seemed like a bit of a dream and you spacing out, you remember now that time passing. You can see yourself just sitting there staring off as the flashlight got dimmer and dimmer and sputtered and died. You can see yourself almost as if you were outside of yourself looking in, just frozen in place like a statue, barely even breathing as there are canine shapes, small low shapes that pass by the windows. It fills you with an intense amount of of unease and dread, and you can feel that you're going to throw up. Now I would like you to roll a d10 to see how much sanity you're going to lose. Nine. I need you to roll another d10 to find out exactly what happens. Okay. That is another, oh sorry, it says six. And you wake up four hours later. Would it be dark? Not quite. Okay. It, it is now late afternoon, yeah. and you uh, wake up. The upper part of your body is between the two crates. The one that you looked in first was full of these pieces of this strangely colored quartz, and your feet are sticking out of the closet. You've crumpled, and you're very sore now. Mm -hmm. And it takes quite a bit of effort to, to get up. Your head is just pounding, and it feels like having your face pressed against the floor like there was almost something banging on the underside of the floor against your temple that's how much your head absolutely throbs in this moment 
uh, you're able to drag yourself away. And in this in this moment, you know that to stare back and look at those right now would be more than you could even bear. Mm-hmm. You have no recollection of anything that's happened in the last four hours. The only thing that you know for certain is the fact that you are completely and totally exhausted and you require a nap. You have to sleep. Okay. So I'll probably slunk my way down the halls into the bedroom and then just plop myself on the bed and go sleep. Uh, how long are you going to sleep for? Uh, let's roll a d12. Maybe you sleep 12 hours. I sleep for six hours. You wake up, mouth dry. Mm-hmm. The headache is still there, but you wake up, you think to the sound of scratching. Again, you were having these weird dreams. And it wasn't quite as restful as you would like. At this point, you haven't eaten in almost 12 hours. It is dark now. Mm-hmm. And where's your flashlight? Don't really remember. Uh, probably downstairs because you took it down into the... To the cellar with to me. The cellar. So it's probably in the kitchen. Yeah. Uh, and all of the lanterns and candles are downstairs as well. Yeah. So you are upstairs. You, uh, your head is pounding, and you are exhausted and hungry, and uh, and very disoriented. Mm-hmm. What would you like to do? Well, I'm probably scared shitless right now. So she'll actually probably try and move as fast as she can. Like you know that panic you get when you wake up somewhere that you're not familiar with in the complete and total dark, and that quick jump you do from your bed to where the light switch is. Yeah. Imagine that speed, and that kind of almost amount of panic as she like as I get up. I'm trying to make my way as quickly to the door as possible. Can you give me a dexterity check? Yep. Hard success. You are able to get to the door and and avoid bumping into the furniture there and throw the door open. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sure enough, the entire house is just dark. Yeah. The only light source at all is the moonlight that is coming in through the windows of the chapel. That door is open. The rest of the house seems to be just completely dark. So you can see the top of the stairs mm-hmm. very, very faintly. Well, I'll make my way there. Probably like, I'm assuming there's like a banister where like where the staircase would be. Yes. So probably like have my hand on the banister working my way towards the light. Can you give me a spot hidden to see how well you're doing at, at, at seeing in the dim light here? Yep. 34. So that is going to be a regular success. Okay, yeah, so you do see the banister there. Yeah. And uh, you are able to catch yourself at the top of the stairs, and you're heading downstairs. Yep, to where I know where there will be light. Okay, and for a moment, at the top of the stairs, you feel like you could just go into the other room and look at the crates. Can I get a power check from you? Power? Okay. Uh, That is a a fail. It's a fail? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I will spend my luck. Sure. You feel this this calling and you go to turn to almost sleepwalk your way into that room before you realize that it is almost darker in that room than anywhere else. The darkness in there is not normal darkness. It is it is deeper than you've ever known before mm-hmm. and a terror fills you and you turn and flee down the stairs. At the bottom of the stairs, you can go left into the kitchen or right into the rest of the house. There are lanterns all over the place, but the matches are over in that front sitting room and your flashlight is somewhere in the kitchen. I will probably try to go to the flashlight, so I'll go left into the kitchen. Hopefully maybe the windows are giving enough light into the kitchen to see. Uh, yes, uh, let's get a spot hidden. Okay. That's a 100. <laughs> uh, you look around and you are distracted. The flashlight was right at your elbow on the counter and you turned and jumped 
at the creature that is outside of the door, looking into the glass on the back door. It's a large furry face with huge fangs and the pupils seem to be glowing green in the moonlight. Barks at you, I need a sanity save. Oh my God. Uh, that is not a save. Okay, let's uh, roll a d6. Okay. Four. Okay, so lose four sanity. Okay. And you jump and scream because of that uh, that 100. Your elbow hits the flashlight and it falls and the, the lens and bulb shatter on the ground. And that is when the dog that is up on its hind legs, front paws on the, on the door, starts barking through the window. It... Like it can see you. And it moves its head and you can see that the green light was actually just the moonlight glinting off its eyes. Uh, it seems to be a large white albino shepherd. Um, does the door look sturdy enough? Like, I can determine whether it's sturdy enough to hold this dog back? Uh, yes, okay. it, it, it is. The glass, maybe not, but the door itself, sure. Okay. And you know that it would have had to come up these six steps and it's peering in at you. Okay. Uh, well, I'm going to back up into the hallway yeah. to where I know where the matches and a light source is, which you said was the front the front room. That's right. Uh, the trophy room or the sitting room? Uh, you were lighting the fire in the in the sitting, sitting room, room before, so yeah. that's where the matches would logically be. So I'm going to I'm going to walk backwards for a little bit until I can't see it anymore. Yeah. And then turn around and scoot as fast as I can, as carefully as I can, into the hall room where the matches and stuff are. Uh, so uh, you go in there, you're going to have to fumble around. Give me another spot hidden to find the matches. Is that another 100? Yeah. <laughs> you have had, you're having a terrible night. I would like you to roll a D10. Uh, Nine. You just gained a new phobia. Okay. Well, you were scared of the dark before. Mm -hmm. The idea that the dark is full of dogs that are hunting you has now taken over. This is a temporary insanity that you will have for uh, the next few hours. Mm -hmm. But this is going to be completely crippling. So I would like a, a D8 for your sanity damage as well. One. Okay, so you lose one. Okay. And you are now immobilized for the rest of the night in this room, unable to find the matches, curled up in a corner in um, behind one of the chairs until you see daylight. You will get no rest tonight. It becomes dawn the next day. There's a crack of light that is coming in through the window now. You've been staring off by yourself. And as the light starts to come in a little bit, you actually hear scratching noises in the ceiling above. This may just be the phobia of dog nails moving through the house on the hardwood floor above you. Mm -hmm. But it is terrifying enough to keep you still until it is solidly morning and you don't hear anything else any longer. Okay. What would you like to do? I'm now kind of like slowly getting myself up and slowly being able to like move and look around with some resemblance of sanity. Yes. At this point, I will go around the house and close all of the curtains that I can. So any of the ones that I did open, I'm now closing just because I'm scared of things 
probably looking in at me at this point. Sure. But I'm probably slowly like moving my way through the house, like peering into rooms before I walk into it, closing the window, gathering up any of the lanterns that I can at this point, retaking my inventory to see what I have. Did Ruben say he was going to be back in like two to three days? Was no, that- he's going to be back today with more food. With more food. And some more provisions for you. And then he's going to be gone for three or four days. Okay. And it's way past the 5 a.m. that the other guy would have been coming down the road at this yeah. point. Yeah. Okay. Is there any of these rooms have a couch on it anywhere? Yeah. The larger sitting room had yeah. a number of couches in there. Okay. By that smaller fireplace because it would entertain more people. There's a large coffee table. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and there's, you know, paintings and portraits. The globe and the grandfather clock, which is still ticking away. Yeah. So I'll probably spend my morning before Ruben gets there gathering up any supplies that I have, clothes that I have, the linens that I was using, yep. and start hunkering down in that front room. Like almost turn it into this is where I'm going to be staying. Okay. Like I'm almost too afraid to be upstairs and end up upstairs at this point by myself. Sure. And then just sit in a chair and wait for Ruben. <laughs> Are you going to do anything else with the time? Are you going to go through? Um... I think as I'm gathering, I think as I'm thinking of the rooms that are left, as I'm gathering things to be put in this room, I think I'll gather up any remaining piles of papers I haven't gone through. So like I'll go through the sitting room, grab any stacks of papers from like the the small desk and like around the chess set and all that kind of stuff. Go through into the dining room, grab any stacks of paper that I can see, go through the trophy room of anything remaining that I haven't gone through. And then I'm just going to start gathering everything into this study. Almost like my plan is, is that I just want to be in this one room, but I still want to be able to sift through everything. Okay. Is if that makes sense. And then while waiting for Ruben, I'll probably continue to look through it. But I think now I'm more keen on figuring more out about these rocks. Like that's probably my focus just to see how crazy I actually am. Are you going back upstairs to the room with the crates? I would probably, as I was going past the room to probably grab like stuff out of the bedroom. Yeah. As I'm walking back down the stairs, I'll probably peer in because I'd be interested in seeing what the wall looks like to see if it was still cut. It is not. It is back to its original. And the pottery piece is still there too? Yeah, the pottery piece is still there. The room looks exactly the same as it was before, except the wallpaper is back to the original position as if it had never been peeled back in the first place. Uh, And then if I look at the crate that I did bust open that has the pieces in it, is it still busted open? Yep. Yep. You managed to pull the lid off both crates and you only looked in the one on the left. So the one on the right... Uh, has uh, has a handful of objects in it that are wrapped as well. Yeah. Um, but you haven't looked at those. All right. So I'll get with all the stuff that's in my arms. I'll take those and leave them in the study. And do I feel still feel that wanting to go back into that room anymore, or is that gone? No, that's past. That's past now. The idea of it being light out has made you feel a little bit better, although you are exhausted, and so any sort of um, mental check or physical check that you make now is going to be with the penalty die. What I'll probably do is scoot back into the room, drop all my stuff off, make sure all my inventory and things like that are there. And then I will go back up into the crate room, but I'm actually going to take the lid of that crate and just place it back on top. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Just because I want to minimize any kind of contact with them. Um, And then actually, if I'm ever, if I go through the trophy room to grab Mm -hmm. things, I'm actually going to take a sheet and cover up the stone that's in there. And then hunker down inside the, the room and then wait for Ruben. And while I'm waiting, I'll be sifting, looking for any information I can find on these rocks. Let's roll a library use. Okay. This is going to be with a penalty die. Damn it. And because it was a penalty, I can't re-roll. Or is it just still... I'm going to say that you can re-roll. It's just It'll it's be with, with another penalty. With, with penalty again. Yeah. Okay. I have to get lucky at some point, right? Right. 
library use that needs to be 20. I don't have enough. So, so you're not able to find anything else about these rocks or whatnot at all. You are starting to get um, a few mentions, though, of your Uncle Manford discussing um, some of the gentlemen that he would come back to help him with his project. Mm-hmm. Okay. And every time that there seems to be a mention of someone, he seems to mention them showing up, but he doesn't really mention them ever again. Um, and it seems to be someone new every single time. Helping with a project. With the project. The project. And I'm assuming that that's the same kind of project that had to do with the stones that were in this, because they mentioned a project that they were working on in the letter. Potentially. Okay. Yeah, that's all I got then. Waiting uh, for Mr. Ruben. All right, Ruben will show up again almost a little bit before noon. And he's going to show up with a number of groceries and whatnot, his arms full. And uh, and he's going to bring you some more uh, lantern oil as mm-hmm. well and uh, another box of matches. He's also got a large bundle of firewood mm-hmm. from the that he's brought in the back of the, of the car as mm-hmm. well. So he pulls that out of the trunk that's on the back of the car and brings that up and says, I know that you can't go out and chop wood out here and everything is so damned wet anyway mm-hmm. that we, I swung by this morning uh, up at the logging camp and grabbed some dry wood. And so I brought that, that for you as well. You should know it's going to storm for the next couple of days. Have you had a chance to, to listen to the radio? Is it working? No, I'm sorry. I just, um, I, I fell asleep, I think. Um, no, I haven't slept. Um, and, he, all... and he stops. He's, Are you all right? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not entirely sure. I'm just, I'm tired, but I'm not tired. Um, I, I think I just need some, I think I just need some sleep, some proper sleep. Um, and I need to find out what these rocks are. Oh, okay. All right. Um, I am out of town for a few days. I can understand that this room upstairs must be weighing on you, especially at night. It bothers me just being here. So, uh, maybe when I come back... We will get you into town. There's a little diner in there. You and I can go out for dinner. And we'll talk about setting you up in, a, in the bed and breakfast. Okay. But I know that they're full up until the weekend, which is when I'll be back. So. All right. But the um, the gentleman from the, the logging, he still is doing his rounds for the rest of the week? As far as I'm aware, yes. At 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. Um, although when it storms, they tend to, to duck out early. And if it's uh, lightning and thunder, of course, they don't go into work. Understand. Understandable. For sure. I will see you in a few days. There's a little special present in there, too. I don't know if it, if it's something that you're interested in, but if not, no harm, no foul. And he, like, throws you a wink and, and heads on out. And inside, you find, um, with all of the groceries and whatnot, some tobacco. Oh, nice. <laughs> I will probably light one up right now. <laughs> Does your character smoke? Uh, no, but she does now. <laughs> I'm thinking she's an artist. I'm sure she's not unaccustomed to it. What would you like to do? Um, in fact, like, that's probably what she'll, she'll do. She'll actually, like, stand, like, go to the kitchen and, um, whew, actually, no. Okay, before she does that, what she'll do, uh, what I'll do is I'll grab all the provisions, bring them into the kitchen area. Mm-hmm. Um, slowly, though, because I feel like she hasn't quite been in there completely yet because she saw the, the dog out the door. Yeah. Um, take that time to step outside that door and see if she sees anything. No. Nope. No. Are there any, like, claw marks on the door at all? Nothing. Nothing. Um, well, she'll probably spend a little bit of that time putting anything that used to be in the cellar in the cellar. And when you go down there, you see that there are so many flies and bugs down here. That all that rotten food is still down there. Now you brought fresh air by opening that door. Yeah. And it's just, it's almost like the air is alive down here. Oh, gross. 
Um, okay, yeah, so what I bring down there, I'll probably just have in its own little suitcase or whatever. Bring that down so it stays separate. Sure. Stays cool. Then I'll come back upstairs. I might actually pour myself a, a stiff drink and have a cigarette, and that'll be my morning uh, after he's gone. And then for the afternoon, I'll probably actually do a uh, perimeter of the windows and the doors to make sure that they can all be shut and locked. They can, yep. Yeah, um, probably do that. The upstairs windows don't lock, but there are storm shutters that are pinned open that you would have to lean out and close. Yeah. There are storm shutters on, on all of these uh, windows as well. So yeah. as well as an outside door that has been kind of nailed to the to the wall, been nailed open Yeah. Um, for both the front door and the back door. And these are almost storm doors as well that can be pulled back and, okay. and um, latched from the inside for hurricane season when it blows through. Yeah. So, so knowing that there's storms coming, I'll probably spend mostly early afternoon, morning, afternoon, shuttering all those, making sure they're closed and locked. Also thinking, keeping the dogs out at the same time. <laughs> yeah. The, the house itself now is uh, in perpetual gloom and shadow. And then I'll probably just go light a fire and just hang out in my nook in the sitting room. Sure. And just continue to sift through these papers and see what I can find. Uh, give me another library use. Okay. Um, that is a success, but I will use my luck to push that to a um, hard success. Sure. See if I can finally find something. You do see a letter from Grant that says, Manfred, I have to warn you that cutting these stones in such a way is a very unwise idea, especially setting up that beautiful stained glass portrait in the front with these new rocks. Every time you look out the front door would be you peering through this quartz. That can't be healthy for your mind. I know it would drive me mad. He then goes on to say, it's bad enough that you made that damned lens out of the quartz. I suggest you hide it somewhere where no one can find it or stumble upon it by accident. And then at the bottom of that letter, uh, he says, I also suggest that you dispose of any of the evidence and hide the door to the attic. There is an attic. I will say out loud. <laughs> no, 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 no. And immediately, like, look upwards. With that knowledge, while it's still light out, if there is light left, I'll scoot upstairs and start looking for anything. A door to the attic. I'll go through each room, look at the ceiling. Give me a spot hidden for each room. Okay. So, heading upstairs, I'll probably do the crucifix room first, just to get that one out of the way. Don't want to be in there any longer than I have to. So I'm just like, like looking at the ceiling, looking yeah. at the, see if there's a hidden hatch in the walls, what have you. Um, okay, so that's a regular success. There's no hidden panel or anything here. The only two objects in this room are the bench and the giant crucifix. Uh, and even with the, with the windows shuttered, there's more light in this room than really any others, except for maybe the kitchen. That's mm -hmm. um, coming in through the cracks and in, in the slats of the storm shutters. So um, you're confident that there's nothing. Yeah. Here. Okay. Um, I will scooch into the bedroom, which has uh, windows, so there'll be a little bit of light in there. Yeah. Um, and I'll do my same hunt. Eight, I will use my luck to bring that to a regular success as well. As you 
look around, you find that there's there's nowhere to hide a door to an attic anywhere here. You look behind the wardrobe and the small chests of drawers that are there, as well as the small counter with the mirror where he was shaving and, and whatnot before. There's, there's nothing anywhere there. You do remember there's a hole in the floor underneath the bed, which you haven't checked in on again since. Yeah. But there's no way that there's an attic. Underneath. And, underneath the yeah. floor, right? So there's nothing else in here. Yeah. My brain is also assuming that if the furnace is pushing air into the floor, that's how it would come back up to keep the bed warm, is my own personal thought process. I know it's going to be dark in there, so I'm going to grab one of the lanterns. Sure. Um, as full of oil as I can make it. And then scooch my way into the room with the furnace in it. Yep. Um, and then give that one a good once over. I don't have enough luck to do anything. I'm going to risk it for the biscuit. You gonna push it? Yep. Let's do a re-roll. Uh, is that a hard success? Because uh, so you pushed it? So that would be for spot hidden, that is just a regular hard success. But what I will actually do is use that luck to make it a extreme success. So now you are walking around in this, uh, in this room. There's nothing in here except for the furnace and a pile of clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, however, you duck behind where Reuben was before uh, and using the lantern to peer into these shadows. And you find that there's nothing, there's no doorway, there's no hatch, there's nothing here. But you do see that behind the furnace, carved into the back of the furnace, there are 15 scratches that looks like they're tallies. Three groups of five. We'll bank that knowledge. Now I'm gonna go back into the crate room. So these crates, are they stacked up against a wall or? Yeah, uh, yes, they're they're all over. A couple of them are stacked too high. Yeah. So it is very likely that there would be the only place up here to hide it. Yeah. A door would be behind a couple of these crates. Um, is there any space for me to weasel and try and squeeze between the crates or they're all just stacked right up against each other? They're stacked up. You're not going to be able to really get around it, but you could peek an eye in there. Okay. But not, not a body part thicker than a finger. All right. Well, I'll do my best at peering to see if I see anything through these crates before I start trying to move them. You are pushing your luck. How much luck do you have left? Only like six if I do this. (laughs) Okay. Um, I'm just thinking that like... I am not going to be able to strength check move these if I don't have to, basically. So yeah, I'm going to peer through these. I'm going to push that to a luck, move it to being at least a success. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and you do see the outline of a door frame Good. and a small iron ring in place of a doorknob. So now I know that there is an attic up there, obviously. And then it, that's where it would go up. Also with your spot hidden, uh, you will notice that the stain on the wall is wet. Oh, Oh, good. Oh, fantastic. I guess I'll attempt to strength move one of these crates at least enough for me to be able to squeeze into where this door is. Well, the one, there's one on top and one on the bottom. And if you just topple the one on top, that would be relatively easy to do. Okay. So why don't you, I would normally make you roll with a penalty dice because you're tired. Yeah. But because you're just shifting at shoulder height, um, you're able to push. I would have given you a bonus, so we're just going to do a straight roll. Straight roll just to shove it off. Yeah. All right, here we go. Yes, that's a regular success. <laughs> it, it creaks and moves, and there's a loud crash as it falls over, and the crate breaks. It doesn't split open, but it, it does crack and break as it falls. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can see the top half of a door. Uh, is there enough space for me to, like, 
stand against that wall and use my feet to push the crate away from the door. No, yeah, I know you're. I know what you're trying to say it's yeah. it's too far. You would need to pry it away from the wall to be able First. to do that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So maybe I'll do that. I'll I'll clamber down. Yeah. Um, and try and see if I can just push it away from the wall enough that I can use my leg strength instead of my arm strength. Sure. Yeah. So I'll, at first, just try and give it a pull away from the wall as much as I possibly can. Not with the intent of moving it away completely, but just enough space that I can wedge my body in there to use my body weight to push it. So 66. I don't have enough luck to do that. With that attempt, because it's a fail, I'm not quite able to do it. I'll look around to try and find the um, hammer that I was using. Yep. And see if I can use that as almost like a wedge to give it some sure. space between the wall. So uh, let's roll again. You'll need a hard success this time. Okay. Just a regular success. As you're sitting there pulling on the on the hammer, you actually end up damaging the wall. Good. Uh, and tearing into the wallpaper a little bit. And the crate shifts, but not enough. You know that to try to do this again would just damage the wall further. Yeah. The wall is going to give before the crate does. I'm trying to think if there's a way for me to just break the crate somehow. But these are the ones that are the stronger crates, right? Yep, but they're just held together with nails. It's true. I will probably try and just dismantle the crate itself. I don't see why you wouldn't be able to just do this over time. If you're going to take your time, it'll take up probably the remainder of the afternoon yeah. to pull the, this crate apart and deal with whatever's inside and get to that door and whatnot. Okay. And you'll need to eat food, so this will take us to the evening. Yeah, I'm managing a montage of like taking out a couple of nails and then just like taking a minute to rest staring at this door. Yeah. And then I run downstairs, eat a snack, bring back up. Every time I come back upstairs, I'm bringing up another lantern with me. Just filling the room with lanterns. Sure. And it is dark outside by the time that you are able to pull this apart. Inside this crate are three large quartz rocks here. They're fairly large specimens, which is why it wouldn't move. Mm -hmm. But each one of them by themselves, you can easily push and roll out of the way. Okay. uh, Until you are able to clear the path altogether. As it gets later and later, the wallpaper seems to get darker and darker where that stain is. Mm-hmm. I feel like as like it starts to get darker, like I'm imagining now in this room, every once in a while I'll light another lantern. So I'm imagining every corner has a lantern in it, mixed in with maybe right by that the wall there's a lantern underneath it. As I'm ripping apart this crate yeah, on yeah. the stool, yeah, my focus is trying to get to this door, but with as much light in this room as I can at the same time. So are these quartz any other different colors? Or they're the same? They're the same. Okay. They're the same like yellow color that the other ones were. All right. In fact, I'll actually probably go in one of my like trips. And once I notice that I'm going to have to be dealing with these cords, I would have grabbed a sheet that I'm probably rolling it on top of so that I can cover them um, once they're rolled out of the way. And yeah, and then spend my time making sure I can get to this door. And the door has a very simple iron ring that is hanging there um, that looks like it's just a a pull ring. Mm -hmm. However, there is a keyhole underneath of it. Okay. I have all my keys. Do any of my keys work? You found three keys. In that drawer, in the false bottom of the drawer, yeah. there was the one for the furnace room, the one for the chapel, and then yeah. the third one that you haven't used yet. Okay. I will attempt to use that. And it, it fits and opens. Beautiful. I will pull that door open. And you see stairs heading up. Mm-hmm. A set of wooden stairs uh, heading up. And you get the impression that at the top of the stairs is a very short area with a slanting roof. So you are right up against the, the ceiling. Okay, um, I'll bring one of my lanterns up with me and then 
peer up and see if I can see anything in there. You find up here there is a small desk, and on the desk are a number of uh, leather-bound books, but these seem to be small. Uh, you would be able to recognize immediately that these are journals. These are not published books. And beside the desk is another short stool as well. The desk has no drawers um, that are there. Look, like the drawers have been pulled out. Mm -hmm. And it seems to be just an empty, simple desk up there with a couple of candles on top that have been half burned. There's a pen with an inkwell sitting beside of it. There are also all sorts of markings that are brown all over the ceiling. Mm. There's no walls to speak of because this entire area is just slanted in all four directions to be a pointed roof at, at the very top. So uh, as you come up, you have to duck and in the very center of the room, it is the tallest. Also in the very center of this room, there is a small bed that does not have a mattress on it. It does have a number of chains draping off of it though, and it is also stained brown. There are a number of different tools like scissors and knife and a large saw that are beside it as well. And there are pieces of paper that are hanging by strings littered all through this area, uh, hanging down from the roof. And on the pieces of paper, uh, you can see that there are more of these, these markings scrawled on each one slightly differently. And beside the desk is a small filing cabinet and the bottom drawer seems to be open, just a crack. Well, I will cautiously make my way over to the desk, probably trying to stay in the more tall spots of the attic with my lantern and I'll have a look inside the filing cabinet. Inside the filing cabinet, you see a number of wallets. I'll pick up one of the wallets. Uh, and this seems to be a wallet that belongs to a young man who is, uh, it says that there's some identification in there that puts him at about 19 years old by your math so he would have been born in 1899 and uh there's some even some small bills in there and a, a small crumpled flower inside the wallet and that's it um is there another drawer to this cabinet there is there's a top drawer as well yeah. oh, we'll try and pull it open uh and it opens right up okay and inside there are a number of documents uh and it takes you no time at all to discover that the deed, sure enough, is in there. Along with a will and testament mm -hmm. and a number of different holdings, a couple of maps of different places, including the logging site that uh, that's nearby as well. And they don't really mean anything to you, a lot of these legal documentations. It looks like where a lot of his work was. Mm -hmm. And a, a lot of the legal work is in this. This is all the stuff that you've been missing. Excellent. Um, I will quickly snatch as much of that as I can and bundle it up in my arms. Yep. Um, I am going to take a minute to go through the wallets and just take the identifications out. Every single one of these seems to be a man between the age of 18 and 20. Mm -hmm. There's money in them. There's a couple of letters. There's one Dear John letter that's in one of them. Mm -hmm. uh, there seems to be a uh, half-filled-out application for the military as well. Mm -hmm. So as you sit there and pull all the these pieces of identification out of the wallets, the wallets themselves seem to just be discarded. There's a thick layer of dust on a lot of them, mm -hmm. except for the one where there seems to be this brown residue that, that's kind of crusted and closed as well. Gather up all these pieces of paper. I'll take one more quick glance around the room itself. The only thing here, those instruments that were beside this mattressless bed, uh, which seems to be directly over top of where that stain would be. Yeah. There's also the uh, ledgers that are on the desk as well. Mm -hmm. And that's all that's up here. Okay. Well, I'll grab any of the paperwork that I can in my tiny little arms 
and then make my way back to the door and back down. Does the paperwork include the ledgers, or are you leaving those behind? Uh, do, is it enough to grab in one go? Yeah, you could get them all. Yeah, so then yes, I'll grab all, anything that I can out of this room. Okay. Um, and then I'll make my way down into the crate room, grab a couple of the lanterns, uh, pretty much well, all the lanterns that I can, again, in my little arms, and then I'm going to scoot my way down if I can into my safe house room. Okay, as you get back down into the room uh, where all the crates are, you see that the stain on the wall is now bigger. And it is wet, and there seems to be, it seems to be staining the floor now a little as well. I am running away from it. <laughs> I have no interest in attempting that again. Yeah, I think my, my instinct right now is to get to a place of safety. So I'm going to scoot myself as quickly as I can. I'm actually going to try not to look at anything specific. Like, I'm not going to look at the crates. When I try and pass the room with the crucifix, I'm going to try not to look in that room. Just, just straight down to your... beelining it to my safety zone. Okay. Yeah, with all the papers that I've got and I can take and handle. Okay. You get downstairs. What are, what are you doing with them when you get down there? I'm going to start sifting through the... Because I know I understand what the deed is. I understand. I'm going to actually look at the will and testament to see if there's anything specifically written in there of who this house is actually supposed to go to or belongs to. It is supposed to go to one Grant Flanagan. Mm. <gasps> Gasp! <laughs> oh my. Um, all right. Uh, so now I understand that that's who he's been communicating with, is Grant Flanagan, obviously. All right. And then start sifting through some of the ledgers. These seem to be specific dates that he's writing out, and he is talking specifically to Grant about everything that he's discovered and everything that he's doing. Okay. These seem to be all of the workings that he's been dealing with, but tucked in and around uh, in each of these are these blank pieces of paper that have no... Uh, writing on either side of them and they're just loose leaf pieces of paper that have been tucked in here. Yeah. Uh, but he keeps making references to the pages. Look at the pages for this. Look at the pages for that. Over and over again. Can you give me a library use? Yeah. Damn it. Uh, well... No, I don't have enough luck to do that. Do I risk it? Um... <laughs> yeah, let's risk it for the biscuit. We here for a story. Let's see what we can find. Yeah, no. So uh, you end up rifling through them and you start on one of the later books. Yeah. So you seem to have missed a lot of the lead up to this. And he is talking about how he's figured out through these pages. When you look through the lens, you can see the truth of the world. You can see the gaps between people and where the worms live and breathe. He says that it all makes sense and the things that he saw in his dreams and the reason that he moved to this location are all coming to fruition now. He understands how the pieces all fit together and every, every time that he needs more to open up the gate, he invites another man. He says at one point, Grant, I've run out of room in the greenhouse. I thought 13 plots would be more than enough for me to finish what I need to do here, but I have filled them now. My only course of action from here on out is to continue to put them perhaps in the root cellar. I would throw them in the swamp, but heaven forbid that they float to the surface and get found. Besides, I would keep them in the dirt where the worms and maggots can get to them. The sacrifices themselves are worth more to me than the risk. Fortunately, the logging camp keeps me in young men. And when you flip a page, because you failed, when you flip a page, you see a particularly detailed drawing 
of a male torso that has been opened up, butterflied open, and um, organs on display. And there are little arrows pointing to some things with uh, little messages that are written in these strange markings that were all over the ceiling as well. I think, I feel like at that point, I would, I'm just gonna throw the letters closed and be like, I don't think I can handle any more of this nonsense. And basically she's gonna, I'm gonna hunker down in this room until my, my plan is to hunker down here until like close to that 5 a.m. And I'm gonna go see if I can get to the road and find, um, and, and meet up with the guy from the logging. All right, um, so what are you doing to pass this time? Then? Probably sitting at the ready. I, I'm gonna have the shotgun with me, uh, loaded with my two shells. Sure. Have my bag packed, um, have any of the legal deeds, all that kind of stuff, the ledgers, I'll probably fill a bag with those ready to go. Um, so most of my time will probably be spent just packing and putting it together. The only thing I think of that I kind of want to see if I can think of it, when, I, when he's talking about the lens, is there anything that I can remember that I have seen or heard within this house that has anything to do with a lens other than the monocle that didn't have anything in it? No. No, you haven't run into anything like that. Although there are parts of the of the house that you haven't checked yet. You haven't done a deep dive into the greenhouse yeah. or the root cellar or there are parts of the kitchen that Reuben dug through quickly but you haven't explored. Yeah. You didn't explore that hole underneath the bed mm-hmm. or dig through anything else in the um, in some of the weird like nooks and crannies. You haven't really spent any time in the dining room. So there are parts of the house where you haven't gone. Well, I think in the packing up, um, I'll probably spend some time maybe in the dining room, seeing if there's anything else in there that might be worth taking any other letters, notes. I'm now kind of interested in seeing if I can find anything that looks like a lens, I think is now something that I'm kind of triggered to look for. Anything in the dining room. Okay, give me a spot hidden. Okay. Oh, that, nope. (laughs) Is it 99? (laughs) Yep. You step into the dining room and with the shadows that are being cast here and that low hanging chandelier, it feels as if this room is moving every time that you take a step. The shadows consistently shift with the lantern light and it is starting to sketch you out and to stay here any longer is going to cause you to start rolling sanity checks. Yeah, yeah. No, I'll I'll duck out, absolutely. No thank you. Um... And then with that, I'll probably scooch into the kitchen. And in fear of running into anything specific, I might actually start rummaging through the drawers a little bit more. Um, more looking for not only the things that I have in mind, but even maybe like sharper knives or anything that I feel like could protect myself. Um, 39 is a success. You are able to find, of course, a cleaver yeah. and, and other sharp knives and whatnot. As far as arming yourself and having weapons, absolutely you are. Um, you can find that. You also discover that uh, that while you were in the kitchen that you had left the door open and there are now flies that are starting to come up into the kitchen as well. You do not find any sense of a lens anywhere. You are distracted while you're looking through this area by what sounds like a scratching noise up above. Like coming from upstairs? Um, I, I will close the cellar door though once I notice that I've left it open. I will go over and I will close it. Okay. Make sure that all the windows and stuff are still shuttered. And then I'll go over to the staircase and just peer up it and see if I see anything just upstairs and just have a sit and a listen. Give me a listen check and a and a spot hidden as well. <laughs> all right, I'll start with listen. That's a fail. You do hear scratching noises from up there, but it's impossible to tell. It's right at the edge of your 
perception. You're barely able to make them out. You know they're coming from somewhere above you, but is it a branch against the house? Were there trees close enough? Mm-hmm. It's difficult to tell. Yeah. And then for my spot hidden, I will spend two luck to make that a success. You see not a shadow, but a dark form run across the top of the stairs. It's small, the size of about a cat, but it scurries. Uh, yeah, no, I have no interest in attempting to find out what that is. So I'm going to, this is the, I'm going to back into my safety zone where all my lights and my safety stuff is. Okay. And go back to my hunkering down plan until light. The only thing that is keeping you company now is the scratching noises upstairs and the ticking of the grandfather clock. Mm -hmm. Uh, You do hear at the very edge of your perception the crackle of fire, the bubbling of the fountain, and distant howls. Do you sleep? No. (laughs) Okay, this will be the third night that you are unable to get a good night's sleep. Um, And so I would like you to roll a constitution check to stay awake. 44 is a pass. Okay, so you're able to, to stay awake, but you are pushing now the levels of your own exhaustion. Uh, and things are getting a little bit hazy. You're getting a little tunnel vision. Um, you're going to be rolling sanity saves with disadvantage until you get some sleep. Okay. And power. What do you do while you stay up all night? Um, Probably more reading, to be honest with you. I've got my lantern with me. I'm not going to sleep, so I might as well just keep... What are you reading? Reading stuff. Um, I'll probably continue sifting through um, the ledgers a little bit more. I might as well. I kind of think to myself, seeing if there is any more information about the stones and their connection to what is going, what he's doing. Because I feel like I am naturally putting together there have been some murders here in my mind. Their bodies might be hidden within these either the cellar or in the garden as like the the plots might be burial plots like i think i feel like i am starting to put some of those pieces together whether i I think they're true or not and so i'm just trying to figure out what the sacrifices he's talking about and what they're for what exactly his goal for these sacrifices are and then maybe a little bit more information about what this lens is i think is what i'm more hunting for in these ledgers now is my hyper focus okay um let's roll a library use okay Oh, yay. Um, 40, it meets. Does that mean I succeed? Yep. Okay. The passages are grim. They speak of how he dreams of a place where worms and rot cover the landscape. Where he sees the ground that moves and, and wriggles and roils and it is just maggot and worm beneath his feet. And the gods walk here. But they peer over the horizon and, and look down at him. Great gods with hideous maws and thousands of eyes. He first dreamt of them when staying here for shelter during a hurricane. And he has been obsessed, taken with these ideas, and has dreamt of them every night since. And he knows that by committing these unholy rituals and perverting the protections of man, he can weaken the thin spot between dreaming and waking. And his dreams can become reality. Says he dreamt of a large rat, completely hairless, sagging skin with the face of a man and hands of a man. And he calls it his rat thing. And it haunted his dreams, talking and whispering to him and watching him at all times from the shadows. And now it lives. It is real. And he has made it manifest. This may be the thing that you saw. Upstairs. I would like you to roll a sanity save as that 
connect. Three. Yes, extreme success. Yes. He speaks more about how the sacrificing the blood that leeches down that is allowed to rot the wood of the house itself will create a barrier between this world and the world of rot. And this is a doorway that he is making. And he figured that he would be able to do it in only a few places using the wetness of humanity to bring rot and decay into the world. Which is why he needed to come to a swamp, a place so humid. This is the perfect place for this kind of thing to happen. But it's taking more than he realized it would. Because of all of the faith of the people around. And the fact that a chapel went in merely 10 miles away up at the logging camp. He's had to counteract it with his own horrible temple. Where he puts the flesh of his sacrifices inside the mouth of the savior of humanity. Which means you touched rotten human flesh. I did. Sanity check. 42 is a fail. Okay, uh, let's roll a d8. Okay. Six. You shiver and jump at the idea that you've done this. You can feel your skin crawling knowing that you have not only touched the blood of these people, of these victims, by touching the wallpaper. And that slimy feeling between your fingertips was their blood. You also held a chunk of one of them in your hand and tossed them into the, into the swamps. Disposing of evidence of a murder. They're scratching noises from upstairs. He continues to go on at length to Grant about how it was a mistake to look through the lens as long as he had. But there are secrets, there are truths that he has uncovered that he can never unlearn. This is the undoing of himself, but also the widening of his innermost eye. He would hope that no one would ever come upon this knowledge. And he hates himself for what he's done, but he must do it. He's compelled by the voices within. He says that any time that anyone looks at him now, he feels as if he has to hide. And there is no hiding from the dogs that encircle this property. And you hear howling outside. It is at about this time that you hear the ticking of the grandfather clock and realize that it is approaching dawn and that truck will go by before first light. But you have no way of keeping exact time and the grandfather clock was set at 2.30. And what time is it now? Early morning. Um, I'm gonna try and get to the road though. I'm going to attempt it. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to pack up anything that I can. I'm actually going to leave behind anything that's heavy. Um, so like I'm going to leave behind my most of my photography equipment. I'll probably just take my camera itself. So sure. leaving behind the flash, leave behind anything that's too difficult to carry. Because um, my bag is now full of all this, this paperwork is what I'm feeling. So camera on my neck, bag of papers around my shoulders, any of the legal stuff that's necessary. And then I'm going to grab the shotgun, I'll have that with me. And then I do have a handgun in one of my bags as well, but I'll feel like the shotgun is louder. So I'll keep that on my hand. And then I will attempt to go as quickly as I can down the pathway to the road with a lantern. The moment that door opens, you see three dogs standing on the path between you and the gate. One of them looks like a Mastiff, another one looks like a Doberman, and then there's this this albino shepherd that's there as well. I'm going to take a shot at the albino one with the shotgun. 
Son of a bitch. The shotgun goes off and it, it hits the, the dirt and it explodes and the dogs all yelp and jump back and then start to growl hostile now. I have a lantern in my hand. Like, I wouldn't have had a lantern in my hand then if I was using a shotgun. No, you would have put it down. Would have put it down. Yeah. Um, I'm going to pick up the lantern. I'm going to throw it. Sure, okay. At them. Sure, let's roll a throw. Okay. Son of a bitch. You throw the lantern, but you grabbed it in your hand and it, it burned your hand. Not enough to cause damage, yeah. but it burned it just slightly so you, you didn't throw it nearly as far as you thought you would. Yeah. And it landed and smashed on the bottom step. And the oil lights and burns for about 30 seconds before it starts to go out. Okay. Uh, what are the wolves doing? They're sitting there growling. Now that there's been this huge flash of light, the wolves have taken another step back and are closer to the gate than the house. But you can see their fangs as they are growling aggressively at you. The room with all my other lanterns are right beside me. Yeah. So I'm going to quickly, like, while I'm kind of, like, looking, I'm going to close the door, go into this room, grab as many lanterns as I can, open the door, and I'm going to start tossing these out, like, Molotovs, just into the field. Sure. Not okay. necessarily aiming at the wolves, just trying to light as big of a fire as I can. Do you want me to roll throws? Yeah, roll throw. I, that, that's a, that's a, a, well, it's a success. Where are you throwing this, this first one? Um, I'll throw it towards the wolves. Like, just straight out, essentially. So if they're right out, just out straight out the door is where I'm throwing them. Okay, and they end up backing up away from these fires, kind of pushed off to the perimeter yeah. of this area. But there's nowhere for them to go. Yeah. Right? They would have come onto the property through the back where there is no fence. Mm -hmm. So they've got fence and gate penning them in. Yeah. And they're going to start to get desperate now. Um, you have four lanterns left. Now that they're kind of pinned in one place with this first throw, I'll take out my handgun and I'll try and shoot. So 35 is a success. And you roll damage? Uh, yeah, so 1d6. So 5 damage. Okay, yeah, you are able to shoot it and it yelps and, and uh, jumps back crippled but still alive. I will take a shot at one of them. I'll take another shot if I can. Okay, you can hear the sound of an approaching motor. Um, so if I can hear the motor, I might actually switch gears and throw another lantern. So I'll do that instead. Um, that is a... How, how much of a fail? Uh, I rolled a 91. Okay. Um, and I need to roll a 20. Okay, uh, this one lands at the foot of the stairs yeah. and lights that area the motor's approaching you. You've got about 10 seconds before the show's up. So about two more actions. If looking at where the fire's lit, is there a way to like go around and jump over the banister? Uh, yeah, you would have to do a jump check. Good. Fantastic. I'm glad that I put nothing into that. Yeah. All right, well, I'll run over to the banister. Um, I'll have one lantern in hand. And yeah. I'll try and like re jump over like one-sided. You're using a penalty dice Because I'm this. physical, right? Yeah. Because okay. you're exhausted. Okay. I'm just going to fall over the... Yeah, it's a fail. I'm going to fall over this banister. <laughs> how, how much of a fail? Uh, I rolled an 89 and I need a 20. You hop over and drop and scatter everything that you have, landing pro okay. on your hands and knees. The lantern shatters beside you and starts to burn towards your books and everything else. You can go after 
and rescue this, but you'll probably get burned. Yeah. If you don't, on the next round, it, it will start to go. I, sh- I, I believe it, yeah. Okay. I am in survival mode now. Yeah, so yeah. you are now beside the banister. You've got fire uh, that is going to light up your belongings directly in front of you, between you and the gate. The wall of the house is directly behind you. Um, but there are bushes to the left, so you land on the left side of the staircase. You'd be able to get around and circle, but there are still two of these wild dogs there. Yeah. Um, the other fires are starting to go out, and the motor is getting louder. The car approaches. Excellent. What would you like to do? Um, well, I'm going to basically abandon all of my stuff, other than see if I can scramble to find my gun. Uh, give me a spot hidden. Success. You see the uh, Derringer that is sitting there on the ground within reach. Okay. You're able to scramble it and pick it up, but it is empty. Awesome. <laughs> um, is my purse within view anywhere? Yes, but it is also getting singed by the fire. Okay, epic. I'm going to start running. Okay, as uh, you get up, the dogs start to approach as the car pulls up. Waving my arms frantically as I'm running, and I'm just I'm just running full tilt towards this car. And if these dogs catch up to me, they catch up to me. I'll deal with that if it happens. <laughs> so as as they approach you, while you are kind of running towards them at the same time, yeah. the car slows down, and you can see that there's a man in there looking at the fire and the dogs coming in. Yeah. And you can hear the door open as the first dog attacks. As I'm, I can see the dog coming at me, right? Yes. I'm gonna try and punch this dog in the face. Sure. Well, give me a, give me a fight brawl. Excellent. Okay, well it's a fail, and I'm, I'm just, I'm pushing the bullet. Okay. This is, has to be. This has to be a hard success. This is a. Uh, it's a four. Oh, it's an extreme success. It's an extreme success that okay. I just rolled. <laughs> yep. So let's roll damage for you. Okay. Um, so for me, I get a D three, which is a D six. D six. So three. Three plus one because I have damage bonus. So four. Sorry, damage bonus is one D four. So you roll a D four as, as well. well. Okay. Four. This this dog jumps at you and you are able to get these rings that you are wearing act as brass knuckles and they just shatter its jaw, knocking it out down to zero hit points. The other dog barks loudly. More dogs start to bark from the other side of the gate as the man comes around the car. He's calling to you, are you okay, are you okay? And you can see, but he doesn't, the three dogs that step out of the swamp on the far side of the road. Get in the car, I'm coming! (laughs) Alright, the other dog is going to attack you as well, but because you've used your fight back, you don't get anything else. Yep. Uh, That is a success, but not an extreme success. Five points of damage as it sinks its teeth into you. Yeah. Um, and I would like you to make a sanity save because this is one of your phobias. Yes. Success. Okay, you are able to, from the pure fear, the adrenaline, the fact you knocked one of these things down already, you are able to keep your wits about you as this thing sinks its teeth into your arm. The man itself starts yelling and coming towards you. You need to roll a persuade. That's, I need to roll a 60, so it's a fail. What's the worst that could happen? You're going to push it? I'm doing it. Rerolling. Yes! It's an 8! It's an 8. You tell him to get back in the car, and, and he stops and looks behind him and sees the dogs that are there, and he's going to run. And they're going to run at the same time. One of them is going to catch him as he dives into the car. 
and is going to bite at him and miss. Uh, and so he is going to... What does he do? Uh, he actually hits it. Lashes out with his foot and hits it for uh, two points of damage and then slams the, the car door shut. And he sits there and he's looking at you. Right. And, and he's waving at you. Uh, it is your turn. Okay. You have a dog that is at you, that is biting at you, and there are three other dogs at the car. Yeah. What would you like to do? Um, does this dog have, like, attachment of my arm, or is he bitten and let go? He's bitten and let go. Okay, I'm running as fast as I can just to this car. Okay. I don't know how much is there. It's like a, as, run as fast as I can, or... Uh, what's your movement? My movement is seven. Okay, so that's how many yards you can go? Yeah. So you can get about halfway through the... Halfway across this this area. Okay. Um, before your turn is done, essentially. Okay. So I'll just keep running. The dog is going to be at your heels attacking again as okay. it comes out. Uh, what would you like to do to... Uh, I'll do a... You know, try to smack at it with your rings again? Yeah. Just, okay. I'll do it. Okay, it got a failure, so you do hit. Okay, so this is... Uh, 1d3 plus 1d4. So that would be oh, 2 damage. 2 damage? Yeah. Okay, so with 2 damage um, to this dog, it is still very much on your heels. The other dogs are now circling around. One of them, another one is between you and the car. Okay. It's okay. Uh, I will keep running, and then... You get to the gate. Okay. Are you jumping over, or are you taking the time to open it? I will take the time to open it. Okay. So this is going to end your turn, but the gate is open okay. now. And there is another dog that circles around. So we have two in front of you and one behind you. Okay. And two of them, the one behind you and the first one that is in front of you, are both going to die. Okay. You are about four yards now from the, from the car. Yeah. You can hear him inside screaming to get in the car. And you can see that there is a pack of dogs further down. So the one behind you is going to bite. What are you doing while he's... I'll attack back. Fail. Uh, that is okay because he failed as well. Okay. But the other one is going to get an attack. This is, uh, that's a success. That is eight points. Eight points? Eight points. Okay. How are you doing? I have one point of health left. You have one hit point left? Yeah. Okay. As he, he's chewing on you, you can feel him tearing the muscle away yeah. from your calf. Excellent. Uh, you are bloody and and beaten and bruised and covered in mud and everything you have is left behind oh, you. Oh yeah. <laughs> what, would, what would you like to do? I'm four yards away. Yeah. I'm going to power through the pain and just get to the car and see if I can get in it as fast as I can. Sure. You're going to have to run past that other dog though so it's going to get the opportunity to attack you but you can attack it as well. Okay. Or could I attempt to dodge it as I'm running by? Uh, yes, but it'll, it'll have its attack and, and you can dodge it. And then I can try to dodge it. Yeah. Okay. Okay, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm gonna keep doing it. I would have failed anyway, so why not? 15. Is that a hard or an extreme so success? So for my dodge, it is a hard success. I rolled a two. <gasps> Damn it. For the extreme success, which means that it is going to roll damage. Yeah. Which is more than enough. Yeah. To, it jumps at you and takes you down in the street. Excellent. The man behind the wheel is going to try to get out as well to, to save you. But the last thing that you see is um, this man running toward you in the darkness and teeth descending over you. As the darkness takes you and the insanity that has been 
encroaching upon your consciousness hits, you think about this albino shepherd that you've been seeing. And because this is your last dying moment with the albino shepherd in your mind, the places between dreams and reality becomes very thin. And somewhere in the world, a creature born of worm and rot, a gigantic white canine creature, is born into existence, nearby a slumbering god. Days later, Reuben returns to find a car abandoned in front of the house. He and his driver find burn marks on the front of the house, and the interior is in disarray. No evidence is ever found of either Louise Knox or the good Samaritan who had stopped to help her, and Reuben is left to his own devices to get the house empty and ready for resale. Nervous and superstitious, he spends his days worrying about the young, pretty photographer who disappeared, while he spends his nights dreaming of a wooden savior who sits on the edge of his bed and pets a large rat with a man's face and hands. Both of them whisper to him about sacrificial bloodlines, forbidden knowledges, and the swarm that will eat the world. He would be terrified if not for the calming effect of the quartz he found downstairs. The colors within remind him of swirling waters, or perhaps a deep, crimson aurora borealis that paints a snowy landscape somewhere in the north. This episode starred Megan as the unfortunate Louise Knox. Most of the music was provided by Tyler at Melodica's Music. The plot and story have been designed by Dan and Adam of the It's a Mimic podcast. Thank you to everyone who has been involved in this massive undertaking, and a special thank you to you, our listeners, and of course to those of you who have donated at www.itsamimic.com. Elsewhere in the world, as the Great War spills into Africa, a single grenade explodes in northern Egypt, uncovering an unusual pyramid on the outskirts of Giza. At the exact same moment that two young librarians decide to open an illegal speakeasy in Jacksonville, Florida. A thousand miles north, a teenage girl named Charity is learning about her different inheritance and receives a train ticket to North Carolina to receive her mysterious father's unfathomable fortune. At the same time, a large hulking man with a big black beard returns home early from the war to take care of his distraught mother and the family property. An Inuit boy is celebrating his successful rite of passage into manhood in the frigid lands of the Yukon territories, while a Canadian girl almost 1800 miles away sets her heart on becoming a nurse. On the other side of the Great White North, a French-Canadian detective pulls his trigger and kills a criminal, his own son. His screams of anguish are mirrored in the mind of an American spy in Munich who is actively burning the last of his identification papers while he makes plans to disappear into the chaos of the final days of the Great War and assume a new identity as a big game hunter so he may fulfill a promise to a dead man. 
And while Louise Knox feels the gnashing teeth of wild dogs tear at her flesh and takes her last terrified breath, her blood seeps into the soil on the outskirts of Amelia, Louisiana, and a baleful, otherworldly howl from a creature summoned by a scared girl's nightmares echoes in the farthest wilderness of Canada through the valley that surrounds the small town of Radiance, Yukon. A well-natured miner named Bernice hears it and is startled. He jumps and trips on something in the snow. His heart pounds as he looks down at the lump of porous metal sticking out of the ground and as human skin comes in contact with the metal for the first time in over 2,000 years. Something wriggles deep inside the strange element and the messenger of the gods stirs restlessly miles below the prospector's feet. The pieces are now in motion, and humanity takes its first steps towards the apocalypse that awaits it. These strangers, and ten others, are all that stands between the human race and the brink of chaotic oblivion. Join me on the 13th of every month for the next year as we move from the deep dark of radiance to explore other paths. Who will live, and who will die, and what perils lie upon the many roads to Amelia?